Greetings and good afternoon, everyone. This is Cheryl, and I'm so pleased to be here to welcome you to Tara and Rama's Saturday afternoon program, The True Planetary and Galactic History Herstory and True History Herstory of Nasara. Blessed be on this Saturday, December 11th, the day before our sacred portal activation of the 1212. We will be working with that energy. And we have special, special activations here for today's opening. So let's get started as we go into our heart center at this time. And um, go into our heart center and merge with our soul, our higher self, our monad. All of our multidimensional being, our muddy I am presence. As we go ahead and call forth our multidimensional being in our pillar of light. To be activated here for us now. With beautiful, beautiful frequencies. Frequencies of violet and gold. Transmuting the old, bringing it into the Christ consciousness, into the golden age energies for one and for all. Take a nice deep breath and feel, sense and experience your pillar of light fully anchored to the heart and mind of God, directly to source. Anchored as well into the heart of Mother Earth. And see, sense, and surround yourself with the highest frequencies of love and light that we can anchor on this planet as we serve once again as a bridge between heaven and earth, the anchor for the new golden age and the open door that no one can shut. Let us affirm our connection with all that is as we decree I am my I am presence. As my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with the I am presence of all that is. Every man, woman, and child, all of my family members and loved ones. And thus we invite in for one and all all soul extensions, planetary and galactic, all of our ancestors, all of our genetic lineage, our ancestral lineage, all the generations and forward, our spiritual lineage, our soul families, our soul pods.
take a nice deep breath. As we invite in for one and all, all of our guides and teachers, our healing teams, our beloved guardian angel, our beloved twin flame, our ascension council and mission council. We welcome the assistance of all of the kingdoms, the plant kingdom, the tree kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the diva kingdom, the elemental kingdom, the fairy kingdom, all of the kingdoms of nature, the whales and dolphins, the unicorns and all magical kingdoms. We welcome all of the realms of the angels. From the angels and archangels through to the cherubim and seraphim and all angelic healing teams. We welcome the assistance of the ascended masters, the brotherhood of light, the sisterhood of the rays and rose, the order of Melchizedek, the radiant ones. All of the enlightened masters, all of the planetary and cosmic hierarchy of light, all divine mother emissaries and divine father emissaries. And all of the Ascended Master healing teams, all of the healing teams from the Galactic Federation of Light, especially those that we work most closely with, from Arcturus, from Pleiades, from Sirius, from Andromeda, from Chiron, from Venus. And we especially send at this time the golden beings of comfort, healing trauma, the golden beings of Venus, the Venusian healing teams we send to Kentucky at this time. And for all those that have undergone trauma this week, as we hold them in our hearts and prayers, we call in all of the Galactic Federation healing teams, all cosmic galactic universal healers that can be of service, And we call for the assistance of the entire company of heaven at this most sacred and holy time, asking our Mother, Father, God to overlight all that we do and magnify, magnify, magnify it 10 billion times, 10 billion fold in alignment with divine will and divine law. Through each person's mighty I am presence to be received individually and collectively for both planetary and cosmic ascension, the maximum each being can receive in divine order. We call forth the assistance of all of the rays, all of the flames, all of the universal laws and ascension waves. And with every energy and frequency, every prayer and invocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation, we ask that it be received on a conscious, subconscious, superconscious level in divine order for each being. And within every cell, chakra, meridian layer of our work fields multidimensionally. We ask that all that we receive be absorbed easily and effortlessly, digested and assimilated, grounded and anchored, integrated and embodied, the maximum that we can receive ever expanding to perfection 
with the greatest of ease and grace and joy and peace and bliss and ecstasy, serenity and tranquility, balance and equilibrium and love and light and laughter. We ask that Gaia receive all that we receive. And we call upon everyone and everything in the circle of support to receive the maximum they can receive. We ask that all of the energy around all of the events going on, be it the tornadoes and weather patterns and the chaos that ensued, whether it's anything about the government or any other issue on the planet, whether it's about the 1212 portal and Our Lady of Guadalupe, whether it's about Christmas or Hanukkah or any of the other energies, the solstice energies this month, we ask that all of this energy directed toward each of these events and circumstances and holidays be incorporated into our collective cup of consciousness to raise the frequency of every man, woman, and child, to raise the consciousness individually and collectively, the maximum that we can receive in this ongoing ascension process. We ask the guy receive everything that we receive through her chakras and meridians and layers of her orc field, through every ley line and song line, all the grid systems, the love grids, the light grids, the unity grids, all of the multidimensional grid system, through every portal and vortex and monument and sacred site, every place of power, every stargate, every city of light, that every place on the planet becomes a city, a city of light, growing and expanding to its perfection, hearing the Christ consciousness in every man, woman, and child, that all may recognize the divinity within in every person, every situation, every circumstance of life as we continue up this amazing spiral of evolution with Mother Gaia as she takes her rightful place as Freedom Star. So we have some special activations here to receive. And the first is the Ascension Waves. Now, there are 12 ascension waves that are co-created through the braiding of many rays of higher dimensional love, light, and creation currents through the hearts of ascension bodies in our universe. Within this universe, there are two primary waves of ascension that facilitate the manifestation of the divine plan on Earth. We are going to call them forth. Anchored to the earth plane that they come directly from the great central sun and great central moon via the central sun and central moon. And these ascension waves are very large in size, appearing spiritually as waves larger than the body of the earth in its width. So as we call forth each of these 12 waves, we ask for the divine consciousness to assist with our initiation process at this time. We call them into every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of our orc field, multidimensionally. 
as we begin with the first wave of ascension, the wave of wisdom and grace, heralded through Lord Kachumi, Lord Kanda, and Vawamas. So we call forth the wave of grace to activate great divine truth. We call forth its acceleration, its magnification in divine individually and individually for all. Take a nice breath with each one and let it integrate within you and within all. They call this time the second wave of The wave of divine love heralded the rapist Mother Mary and Lord Moki. We call forth the wave of love and surrender to assist with the integration of divine love and the positive intention to transform. We ask that it be magnified and accelerated in divine order individually and collectively for all to assist us in the fulfillment of the divine plan. Breathe and receive each one. As we call forth the third wave of ascension, the wave of peace and tranquility, heralded through El Moriam, St. Germain, and Sanat Kamara. Breathe and receive as we call forth the wave of peace and tranquility to bring divine intention and divine will, to be one with divine love and divine truth in every moment while on this earth. We call this in individually and collectively in divine order. Again, breathe and receive it into every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of your org field. We call forth for Gaia and all upon her to do the same. We call forth now the fourth wave of ascension, the wave of divine union and being. Heralded by Paul the Venetian, Lord Maitreya, and the great divine director. We call forth a wave of divine union and being to bring divine will in accordance to divine plan. To serve the divine plan for the earth and communion with our God self. We ask that this be magnified and accelerated individually and collectively at the divine rate for each being. Breathe and receive as we call on the fifth wave of ascension, the wave of transfiguration and alignment, heralded by Lord Arcturus, Lord Sirius, and Lord Sananda. This wave brings the grace to receive the karmic dispensations for the clearing of all old traumas and wounds held from previous experience on this planet and the neighboring three galaxies. And we call this forth in divine order individually and collectively. 
as we ask for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the wave of transfiguration and alignment, as well as all of the 12 waves. We call for the sixth wave of ascension, the wave of radiant glory and illumination, heralded by Archangel Michael, Lord Metatron, and the Elohim Council bringing divine awareness of our God presence and the power to assist and guide the life of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual walk on this earth. We call forth the highest acceleration and magnification and easy and effortless anchoring and integration and divine order for each being and individually and collectively. We call forth now the seventh wave of ascension, the wave of remembrance, ascension, rebirth, and transformation, heralded by Emea, the Galactic Mother, the Radiant Ones, and Divine Mother. This wave is the first galactic wave to connect to the Earth and brings galactic remembrance and awareness and deeper connection to the starry nature of each human being. We call this in and divine order for each being, the maximum that each can receive with the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration. We call forth the eighth wave of ascension, the wave of love within Divine Mother's heart, heralded by Divine Mother, the sacred sisterhood of the rays and rose, the Galactic Mother Ramea and Gaia, our Cosmic Earth Mother. This wave brings a higher dimensional form of love to the feminine heart of all beings. And we call this forth for every man, woman, and child an alignment to their divinity to receive God's energies for embodiment. Again, we ask for this to be accelerated, magnified, anchored, and integrated in divine order for one and all. We call forth the ninth wave of ascension, the wave of union of God presence, heralded by Lord Sananda, Lord Melchizedek, and Saint Germain. Bringing a higher dimensional communion of your own God presence, as we call this forth for you and for all, Beginning the process of higher dimensional soul braiding to our being, as we call this sin in divine order for each man, woman, and child, asking for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration for all. We call forth at this time the tenth wave of ascension, the wave of God consciousness and God's truth, heralded through the command of the Great White Lodge and Sirius and the Karmic Board, the Mahatma and Lord Metatron, bringing forth the dispensations of the higher dimensional truth in relationship to the journey of all to Godhead. And we call forth in divine order for it to assist us all in freeing the mind and transforming it to divine mind. We ask for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of that 10th wave of ascension. 
we call forth the 11th wave of ascension, the wave of soul communion, heralded by Lord Maitreya, the Elohi Master Faith and the Elohi Master Principle of Light. Together, braided as one, they hold the divine 11th wave of ascension for the communion of all souls within the planetary body. We ask for all to receive this individually and collectively as we call forth the highest magnification and acceleration, anchoring and integration of the wave of soul communion. In divine order for one and all, we call forth the 12th wave of ascension, the wave of enlightenment and radiance, heralded by our beloved God, the great divine director, and Gaia, the cosmic mother earth. This wave of ascension, the wave of enlightenment and radiance, flows directly from the heart of source in a higher frequency form than any other of these 12 waves. We ask to receive this individually and collectively in divine order for each being, through each person's mighty I am presence. As this activates our path to enlightenment, once we hold mastery on this planet, we ask it to assist every man, woman, and child to integrate their own self-mastery. We ask that all be placed on a fully committed path of service to receive this wave activation. We call forth for each of these to be magnified, accelerated, anchored, and integrated in divine order through each person's God consciousness for the highest divine potential of each being individually and collectively. And we give thanks for this opportunity to receive and we affirm I am the open door. Take a nice deep breath. I am my I am presence. And I am joining in consciousness with the I am presence of all humanity. As one breath, one voice, one heartbeat one energy, vibration, and consciousness of pure divine love, I proceed. I am sitting comfortably in my chair with my arms and legs uncrossed and my spine as straight as possible. I rest my hands in my lap with my palms facing upward and I am at peace. Breathing rhythmically and deeply, I greet this sacred moment from within the peace of my liberated I am presence on earth. Centered here, I am one with all life. I now realize that I am all of humanity standing forth as my mighty I am presence. I feel an upward rushing force of the ascension flame and humanity's free will ascends into divine will. All free will is now ascending into the realm of infinite physical perfection for this sweet star of freedom, beloved planet Earth. I now reach into and accept the infinity of my I am presence, all of which I claim here and now in my earthly vehicles. 
I am also one with humanity, and I experience our collective infinity consciousness as our fifth-dimensional solar heart chakra is open to full breath. Now, my beloved Mother, Father, God's unfathomable, transfiguring divine love pours through humanity's open heart chakras, flooding the earth and all her life with its healing unguent. I relax peace of my personal and global I am presence, and all is in divine water. Standing within my 12-fold, 5th-dimensional solar spine and chakras, I begin to profoundly experience God's power on all planes. I experience my divine integrity, knowing my presence on earth is but one aspect of my infinity consciousness. With this awakening, I realize I'm a powerful instrument of God, goddess on earth. I am the open door. As I inbreathe and absorb the intensified frequencies of light flowing into my heart flame for the heart of my mother, father, God, I recognize myself on many levels. I am my planetary God, goddess self, abiding in the perfected realms of planet earth performing my cosmic service of loving, free, all lesser energies. I find my gentle rhythm in this aspect of my divinity, and I am that I am. My awareness is lifted higher, and I am my mighty I am presence pulsating in the fifth dimensional realms of infinite physical perfection. Within this sea of light, I experience myself as a cosmic with light rays radiating out in all directions of the universe. I know myself as God, goddess in action, here, there, and everywhere present. As the rhythm of this aspect of my divinity anchors into the core of my physical being, once again I know I am that I am. I now ascend further along my solar silver cord into the galactic presence of my white fire being. Here I am whole. My full masculine and feminine God, God of self, one resplendent being of light. I offer to be the open door for the light of my mother, father, God. Instantly, I receive an endless river of light composed of the great infinity of light from suns beyond suns beyond suns. And I know I am that I am. This infinite river of light now flows unimpeded through all of the aspects of my divinity into my physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies. I am now releasing into this light all thoughts, feelings, memories, and experiences I have ever known that are less than the immaculate concept of my divine potential. I am embodied on earth to express my free will choice and to function as an instrument of God Goddess. I consecrate my life force to the fulfillment of this divine mission in all is well. I send forth deep gratitude to my mother, father, God, and the company of heaven for the opportunity to participate in this glorious adventure of co-creating the new earth. 
I easily and effortlessly integrate this as I breathe in deeply, feeling my physical body and feeling the energy fully anchored within me. And we give thanks for this as we say, I am that I am. I am that I am. I am that I am. Now tomorrow, as well as being the 1212 portal, is the celebration day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. This is a prayer from our friend Mary Ma. Guadalupe's healing prayers. We celebrate the Divine Mother in all of her aspects. This is a big month for Divine Mother energies, with the eighth being the Immaculate Conception, Mother Mary holding the Immaculate Concept for the perfection of all life, for the perfection of our physical bodies, as well as our divine blueprint for our divine plan. So we call forth Mother Mary, we call forth Our Lady of Guadalupe to be with us throughout this month as they hold the divine concept for our being. O Mother Guadalupe, cover us and our families in your starry night mantle of protection. May we and our families nestle within the folds of your glorious healing garment where we are instantaneously healed of all material illusions, all sickness, disease, and death. Take us into your great heart. Cleanse us in your deep pool of compassion and regeneration, of youthfulness and perfect form. O Mother, restore our innocence. O Mother, restore our innocence. O Mother, restore our innocence. Knowing no thing ever harmed us. Let illusion spelled out I-L-L-U-S hyphen I, hyphen O-N, illness on us. Let illusion, the temporary dream, fall away. Reveal us as our true self, the essence which remains perfect. As we know this, Mother Guadalupe, ourselves hum a new song of our perfection, innocence, and our true peace. The fifth solar day rises in us and lifts us above all sorrow. Open the door to human potential and amazing creativity. Flow to your children now. Virgin Guadalupe, may we walk with you to the high temple upon the hill with Juan Diego and share with you our hearts, releasing all our troubles and lack, for you restore the flowers in our lives. Bring roses of profuse abundance, flowing to us our hopes and dreams, teaching us to hold the immaculate concept of perfection, peace, and joy. 
Oh, Mother, we love and adore you. So be it. So mote it be. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. And again, from Mary Ma, the Immaculate Concept World Prayer. I hold within my heart of hearts an earth of absolute peace, unlimited abundance, and divinity. So visualize it, see it, feel it. Know this is taking place. In this world of perfection, all beings are safe from dis-ease or harm. The sovereignty of each baby, child, teenager, woman, man, and elder is honored. All people, animals, and trees are safe from violence or abuse. Humanity's basic requirements of air, water, food, shelter, and clothing are generously met. Sharing naturally occurs. Each baby, each little girl and boy is deeply desired, loved, and cherished by both parents in a supportive spiritual community. No one is left alone, abandoned, or rejected. Love is expressed between all people. We pray for each other because there is no separation or illusion. We are all one, an indivisible, peaceful family. Nothing to the contrary exists or has power. All humanity is awakened right now. The people have shifted in consciousness from mind to heart sharing love and generosity with each other. Nations are uplifted. Society is whole. Creating perfect holograms which express the new paradigm of heaven on earth. As one people, we are the great heart of love. As one heart, we all reflect and enshrine the heart of the Divine Mother, Father God. The heart of our Supreme Mother. This heart now unfolds all life, encompassing the whole planet. Inside this and eternal love, all is. These truths we hold to be immaculate. So please join me in saying, so be it, so be it, so be it. All is well, all is well, all is well. We give thanks to Divine Mother in all of her manifestations, and she holds us in her sacred heart, holds the planet in her sacred heart. We ask for these activations and divine order for each being individually and collectively the maximum that we can receive, ever expanding to perfection. And we give thanks for all of the blessings received at this most sacred and holy time in this amazing month of December.
take a nice deep breath as we integrate this. We call forth Gaia and Sandalphon to assist us to do so easily and effortlessly. To easily and effortlessly digest and assimilate, ground and anchor, integrate and abide these frequencies. That all may hold the perfection of their divinity. That all may maintain and sustain Christ consciousness in the hours, days, and weeks ahead. And we give thanks for this. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for divine service. For joining me in these prayers each and every week. Setting the tone for this week. And it's such and such an important time for us to be doing this work together. And I thank you for that. And I ask you to please join us every Sunday and Monday for the Ascension Meditation and Activation Calls to do further ascension work, to bring heaven to earth. The the ascension meditation and activation calls are a teleconference call. I'll give you that number in a moment. So grab your pen and paper. We begin at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.45 p.m. Pacific Time with greetings. We have about 25 minutes of greetings and a brief update from Tarn Rama. And then we begin our ascension work in earnest through our visualizations, our meditations, our invocations and prayers. Each call is unique and, again, grows in power exponentially with each person that joins us. So we invite you to be with us for these calls. The main number is area code 425-436-6260. Again, area code 425-436-6260. The access code is 946-7441-POUND. 946-7441-POUND. And there are additional phone numbers. There are international numbers. There's a way to get on through the computer. If you need that additional information, please connect with me. Please email me. Put the title, add to the list. And I'll get that information to you. Again, we are so grateful for your presence on the planet at this time. So grateful for your divine service. And I wish you an infinitely blessed week ahead, filled with magic and miracles throughout this entire month of December, through these holy days, through this entire Christ Mass time. May you be infinitely blessed, you and yours. And I give thanks to you. So we want to thank at this time also Taran Rama for their divine service. We want to thank Rainbird for her divine service as well. And Rainbird, I'm going to pass this talking stick. It started with the violet and the gold. 
it added the flame of transfiguring divine love, which is the rose pink, the aquamarine, the opalescent, blazing light. But it does contain every frequency that is a quality of God. And we ask to be downloaded with those qualities for ourselves and for all humanity. And infinite blessings to you, my dear sister, as well, as I pass the talking stick with lots of love and light and laughter. Here we go. It's all yours. Great. Thank you. And we're grateful for your divine service as well. Um, hang on a second. Yeah, this looks better. <laughs> and so, yeah, thank you. I'm here to do the housekeeping as we are a listener-supported radio program. And it's just all of us that make it happen. Each week we have expenses with BBS Radio of $300. So that's what we need this week. And lots of gratitude for being current with that bill. Lots of gratitude for all of your contributions this past week, getting through the car repairs and the rent all at once. Good job. Good job. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> here's how we make a contribution to BBS, uh, to our account at BBS Radio. Um, first go into your heart space, see what is yours to give. And then go to bbsradio.com. Click on Radio Station 2, or you can scroll down. You'll find a menu for Radio Station 2. And um, what you're looking for is um, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, our our listings there with Rainbow Roundtable. And so on Thursday at 6 o'clock hour, it's the night at the roundtable with the panel. And you click on that icon there, and that'll take you directly to our account with BBS. So you can make a donation there, or you can go to Friday program, the hard news on Friday nights with Tara and Rama. And that icon will take you to that our account as well, and as well for this program as well, the true history, history, and the Serenite Galactic Origins with Tara and Rama. So... Any one of those three, and that's at the one thirty hour. So there you go, all Pacific times, and you'll you'll know them when you see them. <laughs> so thanks for taking that action. Thank you for your contributions, and thank you for all the ways you show up and contribute. <clears throat> and may you be blessed many fold. So lots of gratitude. And so we're also working with helping Tara and Rama with their needs. And this week, they just need money for two bills in the, in the order of $300 total. And they need help with their living expenses, and $200 will get it done there. So that's pretty good. We're grateful. We're grateful they're doing well, and the car is safe and, <laughs> and happy with the new bearings. And... May we all get our bearings. <laughs> so lots of gratitude for uh, Tara and Rama and what they do. Here's how we make a contribution to Rama's PayPal account to Tara and Rama that way. So go to the web address. It's rainbowroundtable.net. And there on the homepage, you'll see the menu. Just click on that. The donate button link is near 
at the bottom of the of that menu, and you'll see it there. So that's your link to to um, <clears throat> gifts gifts through PayPal to Tara and Rama. And um, if you have your own PayPal account, you can ac- access the friends option by putting in Rama's PayPal email, and that email for Rama is Koran. Nine 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 at hotmail.com. So once you have that and link that way, you're eliminating commercial charges and money. Your gifting goes a little bit further. So thank you. Either way is perfect. We're so grateful for your contributions and for your your persistence <laughs> and generosity in all of the wonderful things that you are. This is a beautiful time. We're so grateful that they're celebrating their anniversary on this beautiful, magical day. Um, so, uh, uh, tomorrow, or <laughs> we're in it now. And um, so what you need to do after you've gifted them is shoot them an email, email and let them know that you sent something. So that email address for Rama is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 999 at comcast.net. And then, as you might need it, the mailing address is as follows. Rom, R-A-M-D, Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. And it's Post Office Box 280-280. And that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. And the zip code there, 87567. So there you have it, all the information. And again, lots of gratitude <laughs> for taking that action and supporting it that way. So we're um, the other is the Fremart access. So if you want to join Fremart, you want to go to the Rainbow Roundtable account there to do that. And here's the address for that: https colon forward slash forward slash www.shopfremart.com forward slash T-A-R-R-A-M, and that's the username there for that account. It's account number 7,000, so it's a magical place. (laughs) Lots of good products there and um, good environmental products as well. And then there's also abundance options there, so you play around there for a long time. And the the supplements are phenomenal, so we we really appreciate that source. So with that, I'm passing this talking stick. Well, first, I want to say 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. And lots of blessings for tomorrow and all all that's coming for all of us on this planet as we are all one in the Sarah now. And so here comes this talking stick. And it... <laughs> Yes, it has has the violet flame and and the and the gold rays and the opal acid and the blue rays flames and the in <clears throat> the pink and it's all happening and it's beautiful and it has lots of blessings all over it with fairies and feathers and lots of little people and here come the manahunis and the hobbits at the rear. So greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking stick. Greetings. 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 <laughs>
Thank you, everyone, for being here. Amen. It's <laughs> such a wild okay, time we're and magical <laughs> moment to be here. Oh, it is. We are so grateful for everyone helping us at this time and getting the message out because it is shifting faster than I know how to talk. <laughs> oh, well, the thing that's beginning to percolate is that people are waking up. And yeah. again, you know, like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth makes everybody toothless and blind. blind. <laughs> we don't need that. And uh Ralph Nader was kind of using that old paradigm way of thinking today. Rama didn't get a message from Faction Three White Nighters. They were quiet as mice, right? Yes. But um you were listening to Ralph Nader on um something called New Dimensions Radio. Yes. It's on something called PRX, which stands for Public Radio International. Like it's it's connected somehow with PBS, right? Yeah. Stepped on the radio. Anyway, um, Ralph was calling out the biomedical military industrial congressional complex on the air, right along with the 13 families and all of their not so nice ideas about what they want to do with us. Yes. Uh, one thing they don't want is for us to think that we've got free speech. Right. Pardon us? What? Yeah. I mean, to quote Ralph Nader, he said, yeah, democracy, like I have been saying, and he repeated it, democracy is hanging by one strand of Superman's hair right now. And he called out the January 6th folks calling it insurrection and high treason. And he said in any other country, these people would have been summarily executed, yet that's not the path of the Buddha. No, it is not. Send more love. I know Ralph Nader is a bit of a showman because he ran for president and he is a strange bird. I mean, he's been around as long as, I mean, I remember when Ralph Nader actually helped to get seatbelts and cars, and I don't know what to say about that. Yet, he's been watching this whole story since Reagan got in with Bush Sr., Mr. Scherf, and how... We have had enough of the hegemony and the lies that have taken people to, I don't know how many wars since the 70s. I heard a story today, this is related on the radio, about a doctor. He wanted to be a vet. And he went to Vietnam and he came back three lady, three years later and he couldn't get a job as a vet 
because he had all the experience and all the universities and uh, places he went to, they wouldn't hire Vietnam vets because of the PTSD the vets went through. Oh, well, that's to. a problem. Yep. Yeah. And yep. It, it is about, you know, Ralph Nader touched on it that humanity has collective PTSD of what has gone on since World War Two, and there's not been real closure about the issues that have happened. And Pearl Harbor, you know, I bring up the story of the Philadelphia experiment and, you know, the current administration at that time knew about what Nikola Tesla was trying to do to create a battleship radar invisible and you don't mess with the timelines. This is what's coming to full circle where we heal the timelines with love and balance and joy and happy thoughts rather than war. Happy thoughts. What a novel idea. Yeah. Not about people wearing American flags and beating up cops with flagpoles. I don't even know where to go with the stories because it is insane. And in many ways, other countries are looking at us and saying, what happened? (laughs) 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 Um. It's kind of like, it's about that, how I bring it back to how we got caught in the matrix. And now we're waking up and getting out of the matrix. The matrix is falling out, falling apart. Yet there are still characters within the matrix who have tremendous power without love. And they are asking us to serve them as masters. And it's, uh, mother comes at this time to free all the slaves, no matter whether it's in the consciousness or in the physical. And it is about healing this collective PTSD that goes back that's one person at a time, that kind of thing. And what comes to mind is how Patty Robos described how when we lost our ability to connect with our 12 strands of DNA and the 144,000 frequencies of the rainbow that are coming in right now, we went and played in the garden and got lost. And lost in the garden again. <laughs> and things are coming full circle with this winter solstice. This is what I keep hearing. And it's bringing up all the stuff that needs to be healed. That That is like. It goes back farther than I can remember in this 
in this present consciousness, but it's about the universal consciousness of all time is now. And let us forgive anything we ever did to anyone in any space-time continuum. Blaze the violet fire, I passed the talking stick. Yeah, there was one place in, uh, I think it was in Mayfield, Kentucky, and it was a candle-making factory. And there were 110 people working that night, last night. And they only were able to rescue 40. That's like 70 people. Are they delivering something to us? No, no, say. Maybe turning around. (laughs) I don't think so. You better go check, Emma. Oh, I will. When they get to the door. (laughs) Yes, Tigger. (laughs) Okay. um, So, um, so, um, I guess the issue is that we haven't been being told the truth for so long. We don't know what it is. Not really, because the lamestream media is ingratiated with the 13 families to perpetuate the matrix. That's how they get paid. Trillions of dollars to keep it going. That's called hegemony. Yes. Financial hegemony where how the billionaires and the central banksters and the 13 families collaborate for their own best interests on the futures market. And they make bets against what's going to happen in the future, yet they're using their own corrupt uh, minds and plans for the rest of us. And they're not considering anybody else's. And it's become so blatantly obvious that, uh, and that again, as you want to be an intelligent voter, you need to know something. You need to have knowledge of the Constitution and what the whole history is about that and, and maybe a little bit about spirituality. Yes. Because we are not our bodies. We are spiritual beings who volunteer to take on a physical incarnation of a body. And again, we've got Rama's got living experience with someone who is 20,000 years in the same body and doesn't look like she ages any at all. And uh, it's about staying in this constant now moment where all time is now, and you don't deviate from that. And how the 13 families in the Matrix have created this illusion of dimensions. It's very hard sometimes to stay in the now moment because we have so many things going on all at once. And and I'm not sure where to go with that. Well, I do know that 
the technologies that have been being suppressed for these last 60, 70 years. Uh, we're talking about technologies of life now. Yes. Not technologies of death. I mean, you know, the way that we've been programmed to live and believe and all of that, it's just, it's, it's a problemo. It is. I mean, again, as you're capable of not dying, then what you would do is you would, probably there's a package out there. For them. No. Oh, you think it's so? It's for them, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so so the, 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 the gist of the idea is that uh, we need to be reintegrated into galactic law. Isn't that the term? Yes. How the rest of the local solar systems and galaxies cooperate with the Intergalactic Confederation and the Federation of Worlds that's based in the Office of the Christ and the Law of Love. And uh, you said that Ralph Nader brought up Julian Assange. He said this, we are watching democracy hanging by Superman's single thread of his hair as, you know, Julian Assange gets extradited to the U.S. and they, you know, quote-unquote, don't put him in a supermax, but they put him in a medieval dungeon somewhere in the U.S. It's, uh, no, let's not go there. I mean, when you next talk to your people, I want to hear that they're not going to let them do this. As we have been hearing, they're taking this British Supreme Court and let's blaze the violet fire. Because like so many folks have said to me, Lady Nada yesterday said, journalists around the world should be effing worried because this is, you know, our lives on the line here as free speech is gone. The next step, we saw what happened in 1933, 34, and Hitler wanted to get a hold of the Tesseract and the Ark of the Covenant and all the other technology. I thought he did. He didn't just want to. He, he did. He did, and then... And then his uh, general, what General Rommel took, hit it, and then... Rommel. 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 Gave it to Ashtar. He got it away. That's right. And there are nine arcs, not just one. The story, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that is a real story. You don't mess with technologies of creator gods and goddesses of the Most High. We are creator gods and goddesses of the Most High. Well, in order to do that, that's another thing that nobody's talking about Hillary as the real dark thing that she represents. She's like the, you, you said that Ralph Nader brought it up, though. Yeah. What did he say? He said this goes back to how 
Hillary took over for Bush Sr. because Bush Sr. was a heroin addict and he couldn't keep his head on his shoulders. He didn't. She didn't take over. They had a trinitized. Yeah. There was Bush Jr., Bush Sr., and Hillary Clinton, and they supposedly did things together, but it wasn't. I mean, took over. What took over? She did worse things than they did. And we're going in circles. <laughs> I mean, Bush Senior was a heroin addict since 1983. He started his journey in heroin. 1983 never stopped. Every day. That's what we were. That's what we were following. I passed the talking chance. <laughs> Georgetown University presidents sold 272 enslaved people in 1800s. University presidents did, huh? This is why goddess comes. She's black, she's beautiful, and she takes no prisoners. Well, that sounds like the old order again, too. Uh, no. She's going to have you for dinner if you don't behave yourself. <laughs> it's a metaphor, but it is about divine justice that if you are using energies that are sidereal in nature, uh, there are ramifications. And the uh, Doctor Who and the... Temporal time police show up. <laughs> but they were doing that in the yeah. Mahabharata. They were using Yeah, Siberia they were. Weapons. And that's why, in a way, Krishna showed up to Arjuna and said, yeah, I will, you know, drive the chariot or, you know, uh, take care of what needs to be taken care of and Krishna and Arjuna had this experience and there were people that left the planet and I don't know how to reconcile that except these were part of the many different instances I mean how many people died at that time I'm of the Mahabharata, they used sidereal weapons and some nuclear detonations. There's a place called Mojandaro. And today, if you go there, the radiation is like Hiroshima and Nagasaki is still radiating from the ground. Where is that? I think it's in, I think India. Well, I know it's in India, but where in India? <laughs> I can't remember exactly at the moment. Oh. Yeah, it's a place that if you're going to go there, you need a hazmat suit to check it out. Well, I mean, they probably didn't tell anybody. There's probably people living in the middle of it all. It's 7,000 years, 8,000 years plus. That happened that long ago. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. I got hit with plutonium. The half-life of plutonium is 250,000 years. So that's where we're being told that the technologies for life that are inside Nasara law that have been 
kept go beyond that reality, right? Okay. So you want to play our friend, or do I want to play? You want to play this piece about Julian Assange? I just the only place you're going to hear anything is on RT. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's do a little bit of this. <laughs> I have only said transparency for the powerful, privacy for the powerless. But who cares about privacy? What people care about is power. Julian Assange has become a symbol of the battle for privacy. Information is power. That's what's going on with governments and corporations who want to keep information secret and others who think democratic rights uh, should be pushed forward and people have a right to know what their governments are doing. Watch how Assange helps shift the conversation around transparency and see what that battle has done to him. I feel like Julian's life might be coming to an end. We are in a conflict situation with the largest, most powerful empire. In such a situation, it's remarkable to survive. Journalism Julian Assange supporters lash out at the London High Court ruling to allow his possible extradition to the United States. Yet another hearing is now needed to decide his fate. Also to come this afternoon. We call on Russia to return to diplomacy and to de-escalate. The West urges Russia to take the heat out of the Ukrainian crisis while sending $60 million worth of military aid to Kiev and are reportedly considering more. And an American billionaire is forced to return $70 million worth of stolen antiquities he'd been hoarding for decades. But there is anger after it's revealed he won't face criminal charges. Good afternoon, welcome. Just gone three o'clock here in Moscow with RT International. Now we'll start this hour with the news that uh, at least 50 people are feared dead after a devastating tornado struck Kentucky in the US where a state of emergency has now been declared. The state's governor says that the death toll could be much higher. We are nearing the end of the most severe tornado event in Kentucky's history. A roof collapse at a Candle factory has resulted in mass casualties. As of 4.45 a.m., 56,854 Kentuckians are without power. The primary tornado was on the ground continuously for over 200 miles in our state, something we have never seen before. 
Team One, the state of Illinois, scores of workers there accompanied trapped inside an Amazon warehouse after its roof collapsed when it was hit by a tornado. Local media are now reporting that some workers have been transported from that warehouse. Up to 100 people were inside the building at the time, according to authorities, although there are no reports of any deaths. And then in neighbouring Arkansas, it is believed that one person was killed and five seriously injured after the same storm damaged a nursing home there. At least 20 others were trapped inside that building. Severe weather has also claimed three lives in Tennessee. Of course, we'll bring you more details as they come in. Now, a dark day for journalism. That's how supporters of Julian Assange have reacted to the British High Court ruling that the WikiLeaks founder can be extradited to the US. Washington won its appeal against a previous decision blocking Assange from being sent to America to face trial on charges of espionage. Campaigners slammed the latest ruling, which was handed down on the UN's Human Rights Day. We condemn today's UK High Court decision to allow the extradition of Julian Assange to the US, which will prove historic for all the wrong reasons. We fully believe that Julian Assange has been targeted for his contributions to journalism. People gathered in front of the court condemning the decision. Previously, a lower court had blocked Assange's extradition over concerns about his mental health, but it was ruled yesterday that was no longer a concern after the US gave assurances he would not serve any sentence in a maximum security prison or solitary confinement. Assange's lawyers, though, described those pledges as vague and unreliable. The fiancé of the WikiLeaks founder made an emotional statement following the announcement. For how long can this go on? Today is International Human Rights Day. What a shame. How cynical. To have this decision on this day. To have one of the foremost, the foremost publisher, journalist of the past 50 years in a UK prison accused of publishing the truth about war crimes, about CIA kill teams. Okay, well, here's how we reached this point. In 2019, Julian Assange was forcefully removed by British police from Ecuador's embassy in London after the country terminated his seven-year asylum there. He had sought refuge following sexual assault allegations in Sweden, which were later dropped. Uh, The British authorities arrested him on a separate charge of jumping bail. America wants the WikiLeaks founder extradited on claims of conspiring to hack government computers and also publishing classified material. We spoke with NSA whistleblower William Binney about the case and also with Rafael Correa, the former president of Ecuador, whose administration gave Assange political asylum. What a gift the London court gave to the United States on the Human Rights Day. That's grim irony. On Human Rights Day, the rights of the journalists are blatantly violated and his sin was telling the truth. If Assange revealed the secrets of China or Russia or left-wing Latin American governments such as mine, he would be applauded by the mainstream media, honored in the United States Congress and the UK Parliament. But as he went against the hegemony of the United States, he was called a criminal. And the press is quiet, looks the other way, or even supports this crackdown on their colleague. It's completely incomprehensible. 
It could be understood if it was secret information about the location of troops or intelligence facilities. But we're talking about war crimes. This cannot be a state secret. The world has to know about that. There must be trans. That's really important what he said. Yeah. He said war crimes cannot be a state secret. And no. what they're getting, uh, what the U.S. State Department is getting Julian Assange to be extradited for is that he, he re- uncovered state secrets, but the state secrets that he uncovered were war crimes. <coughs> so, uh, Okay, put that in our pipe and smoke it. And let's do something about this. This is, this is wonderful. That was Rafael Correa from, he was the Ecuadorian president at the time when he gave asylum to Julian Assange. Yeah. He really deserves credit. And of course the, uh, 13 families, the deep state, they finagled around and got a real rat fink in there for being the next president. And that rat fink is the one that collaborated with the British crown to get Julian Assange and Bill Marsh. Has to know about that. There must be transparency. That's what Assange did. That's why he's being punished. The world has really turned upside down. And what we see now is blatant hypocrisy. It really goes bad for uh, freedom and democracy around the world. Publishing data in violation of the Espionage Act. Well, now that's United States law. It's not a uh, worldwide law. It's not a law in other countries. So there's a, a real problem with this, too. Supreme Court ruling uh, uh, on that issue of uh, the Espionage Act suspending First Amendment rights. They said it was justified in time of war. Well, I would point out we're not in a war now. Congress has not declared war. We have no declared war. Right. Why aren't they indicting... The uh, senior editors, at least of the of, of, of the Guardian, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of them who have also published this kind of material. Yep. Why aren't they doing that? That's a violation of our laws. They're not equally applying the law. When was the last time you had a, a verifiable truth from the United States government that, that they put out to the public? When, when can you justify uh, from through other sources and means and methods the validity of what they've been telling you? You can't. They lied, they lie to Congress directly, they get caught in line and they just ignore it. Nobody does anything. I mean, they're exempt from the own laws that they've passed. But that's why we have here in the United States two sets of laws. One for those of the people and the rest and those in power have a different set of laws. Well, it hasn't gone unnoticed that the extradition ruling against Julian Assange did come not only on Human Rights Day, but also on the same day the US wrapped up its multinational summit for democracy, at which President Biden did push for people to be able to breathe freely. Well, after that, he was soon criticised for not applying the same principles to Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. And as we close out the first gathering, let's, let, let, let's together reaffirm our determination. That the future will belong to those who embrace human dignity, not those who trample it. Who unleash the potential of their people, not those who stifle it. And who give their people the ability to breathe free, not those who seek to suffocate their people with an iron hand. This shameful verdict in the political case against a journalistic and public figure is another manifestation of the cannibalistic worldview of the Anglo-Saxon tandem. The West marks International Human Rights Day and the end of the summit for democracy with dignity. This news is devastating. The persecution of Julian Assange is a disgrace. Meanwhile, Biden is holding his cynical democracy summit. End the hypocrisy. End the cruelty. Yep. 
Yeah. And while the US is busy then promoting democracy in other countries, its own seems to be at risk because the Stockholm-based think tank's annual review of democracies around the world has, for the first time, put the US in the backsliding category. Assange Freedom campaigner John Reese says that supporting democracy in other countries doesn't mean that the US is doing the same at home. I think that it's remarkable that, uh, especially on Human Rights Day, that the judges in this case um, should have found that it would be safe to extradite Julian Assange to the country um, where its security service, the CIA, um, has previously been um, threatening to kidnap or kill him. The problem with uh, many modern states, they're all for uh, democracy and freedom of speech and a free press in other people's countries, but not necessarily in their own. And until we get past that hypocrisy and understand that freedom of the press is a universal human right because it's part of freedom of speech, uh, we won't be making very much progress. Now, in other news, uh, tensions over Ukraine are running high, with Russia slamming the West for fueling the escalation and voicing concern at NATO's actions in the region. Moscow has warned that they could potentially lead to a large-scale conflict. A course has been set to draw Ukraine into NATO. Such irresponsible behaviour is an unacceptable threat to our security, provoking serious risks for all parties involved, up to a large-scale conflict in Europe. Absolutely. NATO is that is a violation of the Minsk agreement. And 13 countries later that they moved in violation of the Minsk agreement toward uh, Ukraine with NATO is what they're saying. And this is not okay and no more war. So I'm assuming galactic intervention is on the table, Commander. Copies. <laughs> Well, the U.S. did reveal on Thursday that 30 Javelin anti-tank missile systems were delivered to Ukraine in October as part of a $60 million military aid package and a further $200 million could be donated. At the same time, Russia is being urged to respect borders by both NATO and the EU. Military build-up in and around Ukraine, this raises tensions and undermines security in Europe. We call on Russia to return to diplomacy and to de-escalate. We, are about to, we expect Russia to de-escalate and refrain from any aggression towards its neighbors and respect the rights of sovereign states. Well, it does come after a Ukrainian Navy ship named Donbass did approach Russian waters without authorization on Thursday, a move that Russia regarded as a threat to the navigational safety of other vessels in the area. Ukraine denied, though, all allegations and insisted that the ship was an unarmed search and rescue vessel that never entered restricted waters or posed any threat. The vessel did eventually change course. Now, to give you uh, more perspective on what's happening, the, east, uh, the eastern Ukraine region of Donbass has been making the headlines since 2014 when war broke out there. The unrest has become a scene of discord between Kiev and Moscow. I discussed the situation further with our senior correspondent, Rudy Gassiev. Just some background to all of this. I mean, this latest incident does come against the backdrop of a, a rapid escalation, hasn't it, in tensions in recent weeks between Ukraine and Russia. Well, in this connection, both uh, rhetorically, we, we have seen this hysteria reach fever pitch about the situation uh, over Ukraine, about potential plans to invade, as 
some countries say. But the situation on the ground in Ukraine is perhaps worst of all, because that is where people are dying. People are dying, people are suffering, people are going through, through hell and have been going through hell for many years now. We have, we have seen uh, the United States specifically pumping weapons into Ukraine for the Ukrainian uh, military. And these are weapons, be, be, be they a javelin missile supplied by the United States or Bayraktar drones supplied by Turkey. These are weapons that are flowing into Ukraine and immediately go into the conflicts of where the civil war is being fought in the east of Ukraine. There are more than two million civilians uh, trapped in the conflict zone in eastern Ukraine, and they just happen to brave it out. People going to sending their kids to school, they always have to worry about a tank show or a mortar round uh, landing there on the grounds of the school. Vladimir Putin has likened what is happening to a war crime. I should say that russophobia is the first step towards genocide. What's going on in Donbass now very much resembles genocide. We see it and we know about it. The Western narrative on this is potential Russian aggression, amassing its troops within its own borders on the edge with, with Ukraine, but very little said about Ukraine's actions in you know, recent weeks. What we hear about is these potential plans emanating from the CIA, the White House, uh, the British government, these plans that no one uh, previously knew about, that Russia was planning to invade a huge area uh, of Ukraine, it's unclear how they would be able to achieve this with, with even if we believe the CIA and others, with, with such a small force. But let's look at what is happening again on the ground. You have the OSCE there reporting on ceasefire violations. So their work is constant and around the clock. Ukrainian artillery uh, and forces destroyed or damaged five times more civilian infrastructure at schools, at workplaces, people's homes. Five times more infrastructure was destroyed and damaged by Ukrainian forces than vice versa. You also have the situation in which Ukraine still, still, six years on, refuses to negotiate with the breakaway republics. Aside from that, there are also a matter of promises and assurances that Ukraine keeps on hearing from, from Britain, from the United States, that they've got their back, that they'll help them, that they'll keep the Russians away. And what that, what that does is it, it emboldens Ukraine. And unfortunately, the situation is such that aside from very one-sided coverage, you have a situation in which peace simply isn't desirable. Journalist and author Thomas Fassbender told us, too, that there is a real risk, in his opinion, of a full-scale European war. There is uh, something that has not been here for decades, that is uh, the perspective, the real perspective of uh, a major European war. So here now, the key for a potential war in Europe lies now 100% with the, uh, the Kiev government. If Kiev decides to provoke um, a Russian invasion, and th there will be a Russian invasion as soon as Kiev starts a major offensive against the breakaway republics, uh, in that case, automatically the blank check will be full uh, Western support for the Ukrainian side. Um, so the Western narrative says that whatever uh, Crimea, uh, whatever Kiev does to reclaim or even reconquer uh, the breakaway republics or even Crimea um, would be uh, executing their sovereign rights on their sovereign territory. We should hope that, uh, uh, that both uh, Washington and Moscow 
Um, and of course, uh, uh, also Warsaw, Paris and Berlin understand that there is a real risk of a European war here. You're watching Martin Stillette, Diva Sam, bad news for American shoppers at the moment. The prices surged to a near 40-year high. We'll talk more about the spiraling inflation just after the break. Moment to everybody. Okay. This news should be on every Western media on the earth. This is a crime right there. No more state secrets. has been forced to surrender stolen antiquities that he had been hoarding for decades. The case of hedge fund pioneer Michael Steinhardt has shocked archaeologists and historians around the world, and his collection of plundered art is estimated to be worth something like $70 million. OK, well, let's have a quick look then at some of the precious items we're talking about, many of which were stolen and illegally smuggled, and one is the stag's head writing, crafted in the 5th century BC. Today it's valued at something like three and a half million dollars. Another a rare masterpiece was uh, the Larnax, a small chest for human remains with an impressive price tag of something like one million dollars. And then also among them are a set of death masks dating back to 7,000 BC. Well, Steinhardt gave up the treasures as part of a deal, which does mean, though, he will not face criminal charges. Now, the origins of the looted antiquities stretch across 11 countries, among them Italy, Greece, and Israel all robbed of their cultural heritage. Experts say that the damage inflicted is immeasurable. Huge damage has been done to the countries of origin archaeological sites. Um, the main damage is uh, cultural in the sense that uh, we are losing the history of these objects. Uh, our common shared past. And this is the, the biggest crime that it is being performed by looting on a global level. The loss of history, the loss of information. Well, the only hardship for Michael Steinhardt, though, is a lifetime ban on acquiring any other relics in the future. And there's public outrage at that, with most respondents to a poll insisting he's got away too lightly. The justice system in the U.S. was constructed primarily for two reasons. Punish the poor, protect the wealthy. Mm -hmm. No jail for the rich and powerful. This country has been sold to the highest bidders. Mm -hmm. Our country's legal system is a joke. Stolen 70 million in art and no jail time. I remember a guy in Louisiana getting 40 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread because he was starving. There's no justice if you're rich. I'm sure that... um and there will be chances to pick up the case again. My preference would have been to be pressed charges and having a possibly a conviction as well. I'm not very happy about the final result. It is demonstrated very clearly that Michael Steinhardt knew that there were serious problems with the provenance, the collective history, that is, of the objects he was acquiring. Or uh, at least should have had very, very strong indications uh, about uh, the possibility of being looted, these objects. 
America's in the grip of surging inflation at the moment, not seen since the 1980s, with prices rising across many sectors for six months in a row. In November, prices for U.S. consumers jumped nearly 7% compared with just 1.25 a year ago, triggered by the coronavirus pandemic. Inflation has hit pretty much everything from food and energy to house rentals and cars. But the U.S. Federal Reserve is still hesitant to take serious action to curb the spike, such as raising interest rates. Economist Peter Earle told us that higher inflation, though, does drive people to take on debt. There's a view that low-level inflation is uh, is good for the economy. I'm not sure I subscribe to that, but certainly the kind of inflation we're seeing now is uh, very pernicious. And it makes a lot, it damages many aspects of the economy in many ways. In the pandemic, or rather the central banking response to the pandemic is the main factor uh, that's creating the inflation right now. Last year, the Federal Reserve increased the U.S. money supply by between 30 to 40 percent. And the root cause of inflation is lots of money chasing the same or fewer goods and services. So that's the main call. Well, the Fed is going to try to lift interest rates to, to tamp down on this inflation, but they can't until they stop doing open market bond purchases. And they've said they won't stop that until April or May of next year. So it's going to be a while. This inflation may get uh, a bit higher before they're able to do that. The only people who really benefit from high inflation systematically are, 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 are creditors, because if you take debt and inflation rises, you wind up paying off that debt in cheaper, which is, say, less, less valuable currency, whether it's dollars or pounds or whatever. So in a sense, inflation hires, uh, inflation rather promotes uh, higher levels of debt, which is also a bad thing. Well, anger over President Biden's handling of the economy isn't bad news for everybody because a budding entrepreneur in the state of Massachusetts is turning the dislike into dollars and has opened a shop selling some unique anti-Biden merchandise. The owner says his customers do feel deeply unhappy with what's going on with their economy. Let's go. Wait a minute. Merchandise. The owner says his customers. It's a Let's Go Brandon store. It's anti-Biden paraphernalia. Do feel deeply unhappy with what's going on with their economy? Fans rejoice. The store has opened up in Massachusetts. That sells merch. With the famous slogan, let's go Brandon. Everyone seems ecstatic. Yeah, I I bought this hat. I bought this really cool hat. And I got some other things in here, t-shirts and uh, bumper stickers. NBC Sports reporter interviewed NASCAR driver Brandon Brown. She stated in the video that the crowd behind them was chanting, Let's go, Brandon.
one side of the stadium is saying go Brandon, the other side saying go Biden. What a mess. Seems that many love the shop too. I think it's fantastic. I'm from out of town and I absolutely love this. It's great. Absolutely. Joe Biden. I'm glad that people are starting to defend themselves and defend their rights. I know that people have always had different views, but this is not about the division. This is about unhappiness with our president and what's going on in our country. There are some liberals that are definitely on board with this. Unhappiness that they have with our leader right now. Our president is not doing what he said he was going to do and what the people want. Um, and there's a lot of different major topics that are issues with our president. People are chanting it in the, in the stands and, you know, colleges, high schools. It seems to be, they seem to be catching on really well. And our customers, because we had, um, some New England Patrol stores, our customers were asking for it. So we started carrying it and it went over, it was taking up 80% of our sales. So I said, let's just do a themed store. Just let's go Brandon store. And, that's how we started. Okay, well, despite the store owner's uh, view there, that it's all about having different opinions, polls do tell us a different story, because it does turn out that for some in the U.S., your voting choice may actually be a good reason not to date you or even talk to you. RT contributor Lauren Chen reveals who's sowing the division. Today, the progressive left and really Democrats in general love to think of themselves as the party of tolerance, openness, acceptance, and just in general, good things, sunshine, and rainbows. And so predictably, when it comes to discussing polarization in America or who exactly is responsible for increasing harsh political sentiments, it's very easy for people on the left to point the finger at their conservative counterparts. I mean, clearly the political environment is getting more and more hostile, and if the left stands for all of these positive things, then it must stand to reason that the right is behind all of the bad things. But now one poll which asked respondents whether they would be willing to engage in different types of relationships, both personal and professional, with people who voted for a different presidential cabinet than they did, 31% of Republicans said no, compared to a whopping 71% of Democrats who said that they would not go out on a date with someone who had voted for the opposing party. Even when we look at less personal relationships, the divide between who Democrats and Republicans are or are not willing to engage with remains pretty stark. When asked whether they would shop at or support a business of someone who voted for the opposing presidential candidate, only 7% of Republicans said no, compared to 41% of Democrats. So essentially Democrats may very well believe that they aren't the ones driving division, they are simply standing up to the unacceptable behavior and views that are displayed amongst Republicans. Well, that is an interesting theory, but to that I have another survey that once more leaves Democrats holding the short end of the stick. In his book, The Righteous Mind, social psychologist Jonathan Haidt did some very illuminating research into how different people perceive opposing political parties. The results were clear and consistent. Moderates and conservatives were most accurate in their predictions, whether they were pretending to be liberals or conservatives. Liberals were the least accurate, especially those who described themselves as very liberal. And I continue to note that the biggest errors in the whole study came when liberals answered the care and fairness question 
questions while pretending to be conservatives. So ultimately, yes, political division in America is very real, and much of it is being driven by Democrats and people on the left. And what is so frustrating about all of this, no one should be forced to associate with someone that they really don't want to. But if you are choosing to cut ties with someone over political differences, in my opinion, the least you could do is make certain that those political differences are in fact real. I see contributor Lauren Chen there. So uh, that's how things are looking so far this Saturday. We'll have more stories for you in about 30 minutes. Okay. All right, Rama, you're going to play Dr. Greer, right? Uh, Joni Patry. Oh, okay, yes. Tell us what the topic is. Very good, Rama. Venus is conjunct Pluto, surfacing a deep betrayal. And what I got to say in terms of the rhetoric, as you're following a life form that is well on its way to becoming Jabba the Hutt, a vile gangster, uh, place of violent fire. <laughs> I guess I'll leave that one the way you just left it. Yeah, Luke Skywalker took care of Jabba the Hutt in the story. So what's the title, actually? Venus is conjunct Pluto, December 11th, surfacing of deep betrayal. This has to do with all of the issues that are bubbling up to the surface. How can you continue to support the matrix when it's killing you? Right. All right, everybody. This is 12 minutes, right, Rama? Yeah. Okay, here we go. And welcome to my YouTube channel. Well, today I want to talk about a very important transit that affects all of us. It is when Venus comes together with Pluto. And I want to talk about the energy of Pluto and what it means for all of us collectively on planet Earth right now, as well as when it affects the planet of love. Because Pluto is the planet that deals with control issues. But mainly when Pluto and Venus are an aspect, and this especially goes if you have them conjunct or if you have them opposed to each other in your birth chart, there's always going to be these deep issues around betrayal. That's what happens with Pluto. And especially to the planet Venus, it rules love. So before I go on, I just want to remind everyone to sign up for my free newsletter. There you will get all of my predictions delivered to your email address. Go to galacticcenter.org. And while there, don't forget to look at my spiritual jewelry. I have malas. And these are the things that help remind us of our spiritual essence and path while we're on planet Earth. And one more thing, if you are interested in Pluto, this is my book that I just wrote on Pluto that goes over all the attributes and all the energies, what Pluto means and how it's affected our world 
especially over the course of the past year. So Pluto deals with control, manipulation, and power. But it's coming together with Venus. Venus as the planet of peace and love and harmony, all the beautiful things in life. These become very, very difficult things during this time. And as I said, everyone needs to be aware of this conjunction that is coming about December 11th. December 11th. Pluto and Venus will merge together at one degree of Capricorn. Now I am talking about the sidereal Vedic system, which is this is the true placements astronomically of the planets. So at one degree of Capricorn, the reason why I say this affects us all collectively, Capricorn deals mainly with government. It deals with leadership. It deals with the organization around the world in terms of how we organize our countries, our governments, our politics. And Pluto with Venus is really important. Now, Venus will cross Pluto every single year, one, one or two days of the year. So it doesn't seem that important, but the reason why I think this has great relevance at this time is by the 19th of December, Venus will turn retrograde. So at this time, around the 11th, Have you ever dreamed of winning a home that looks like this, 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 and this? Well, here's your chance. That's right. To support our friends at Make-A-Wish America. Eleventh, and moving all the way up to this point in time, Venus is moving a lot, a lot slower. So when a planet slows down, its aspects make much more of an impact. And this is huge. This impact that's about to occur is going to have an effect on everyone because everyone's starting to see that what they thought was truth is not. It seems like the great betrayal is coming clearer and clearer and clearer. But If you perchance have any planets around one degree of Capricorn or one degree of Cancer, then this means that this conjunction will have its effects on your personal life and most probably something to do with your love life. And Pluto, because it's a god of the underworld, will bring things up that you particularly didn't know about. And... It's time for you to cleanse, to feel, and what do I always say? In order to heal, you have to feel. So feeling the issues of betrayal, being under someone's control, is what Pluto is making us all feel right now. But particularly, if you have planets there, something in your personal life will surface that will be emotional and you're going to go through a psychological healing with it. And this is so important. One thing I always say about Pluto is when the transit is occurring, 
we always feel like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to us. But then after some time, a few years later, you look back and you think, thank God I went through that because I couldn't be who I am or what I am at this point in my life. So it deals with transformation and it deals with dying to something old to be reborn to something new. But this is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But once it does, you wake up and you realize what I know about Pluto. And that is Pluto always eliminates anything that is not growth producing. And most of the time, it will be those things we're most attached to that pretty much we're obsessed with. Pluto can rule with obsessional type behaviors. It deals with the darkness of the underworld. So things of our shadow side are revealed to us through the energy of this most profound, slow moving planet that I find very interesting that they downgraded to a planetoid or whatever they say Pluto's not a planet. But trust me, when you go through a Pluto transit, particularly when Pluto slows up and goes over any of your planets, it is a transformational experience. And it can be very gut-wrenching. But if you have Pluto exactly on one of your planets, you will be remembered after your death You will leave a legacy of some sort for something in your life. You will be remembered. That is the power and energy of Pluto. But going back to what it's all about, Venus with relationships. I believe because this is a fleeting transit that happens only for a day or two, I want everyone to really take note of what they are experiencing at this point in time. Because this is so deep. And this area of the zodiac deals with bringing up truths. This is in Capricorn. And it deals with politics, particularly. Don't forget Capricorn is the 10th sign. And that makes it relative to the 10th house, which deals with governments, politics, rulers, kings, And this is the energy that's really coming out globally, collectively for the world. There's some little things that are coming up for a day or two that will be eye-opening and it will be, wow, have I really not seen this all along? And yes, It will be, mark my words, around this time, globally, whatever country you're living in, you will feel a sense of betrayal by what? The governments. That's where it is. And I'm going to show you a lot of charts coming up. I've actually got a predictive class coming up December 18th. If you want to be part of it, everyone's invited. Go to my website, galacticcenter.org, and click on December 18th's prediction day. I'm going to go over all the country's charts relative to all of the things that are bubbling up here that deal with these betrayals. Because 
Pluto's energy. And especially, let me re-say something that I've said before many times, but for those of you that haven't heard it before, Pluto takes a long time to go through the whole zodiac. Sometimes it stays in a sign for 30 years. And it's about to stay in Capricorn for 20 years. But it is making a return in the United States chart. And it's coming back to where it was. Pluto takes about 244 years or so. And I discovered that eight immortal kings of Samaria lived a total of 241,200 years. Or so, and the United States, 1776. It's taken that long for Pluto to go through all signs and it's returning. And Pluto is the true emotional, psychological, I mean, mind bend that's coming out about all of the deceptions, all of the deceits, but most of all the betrayals of so much that's been going on in all of these countries. And I believe what's been happening around the world is part of why finally this truth had to be exposed. And it's here. It's coming out. So watch this day with intent around December 11th. Maybe the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th, that there are not a lot of things coming up that represents the deep, dark betrayal in our world. But also pay attention to your personal life. Be truthful, be honest to yourself, and ask that the truth be revealed to heal your life. And it will. So with that, I'd like to close. Remember, if you would like to learn Vedic astrology, I have a new start date. I'm so excited. It will be January 10th. We're going to start semester one. If you've always wanted to learn astrology, become an astrologer. Now is the time. I have a stellar in unique organization where everyone feels that it's a community where there's support to learn, and you'll be glad you did. So check it out, universityofvedicastrology.com, and the start date is December, I'm sorry, January 10th, 2022. Thank you. Very good. I'm sure somebody will take that up, Mm -hmm. and she's got a lot to teach. And we all have a lot to learn. So uh, are we going to Dr. Greer now, Rama? Yeah. Tell everybody what it says under there. Um, this is Dr. Greer with, um, oh, I don't, it doesn't say who this guy is. He'll say, it's 51 minutes inside the matrix. And I think it's talking about the current state of affairs. I could be all wet, but the issues possibly 
dealing with the Ukraine-Russia story and the ongoing <laughs> drama with the deep state. And here we go. 55 minutes, everybody. 51 minutes. Oh, 51 minutes. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Inside the Matrix. Today, my special guest is Dr. Stephen Greer, uh, somebody that I really respect and admire who's been out there uh, probably for over 30 years trying to educate people on the truth about uh, our extraterrestrial friends out there. And uh, uh, Dr. Greer, for those of you, those people out there, the one or two that maybe haven't heard of you, could you kind of give us a, a quick synopsis of your background and kind of how you got into all of this? Well, I'm a medical doctor, emergency mm -hmm. and trauma, but uh, some years ago when I started the Disclosure Project and before that, the CE5 Contact uh, Initiative. Uh, the CE5 Initiative for Contacting Extraterrestrial Civilizations was the first project, started in 1990, so it's uh, 31 years ago. Uh, as an outgrowth of having successfully made contact, uh, and documenting that, we ended up getting invited to uh, brief the director of the CIA during Bill Clinton's first term. And uh, this became, of course, a very controversial uh, issue because, uh, you know, when I started doing this, I'm working full time as a doctor. And <clears throat> next thing you know, I'm getting uh, by within two or three years being called up to brief people in Washington who have been denied access to these classified projects. So uh, my sort of coming of age on this was between 92 and 94 when I realized that there was an extra constitutional and frankly illegal uh, projects within the United States government and around the world that have been keeping this uh, under wraps and secret for uh, 70 some years. And so started the Disclosure Project, and in 2001, we had the National Press Club event uh, in Washington, D.C., that was seen by around 800 to 900 million people. Uh, but that caused such a stir that uh, the, the first hour of that entire press conference that had 22 military and uh, corporate witnesses to UFOs and evidence and proof of them uh, was jammed by the National Security Agency out of the National Press Club building. So, you know, it's a very, very long story, but that's sort of how that's evolved. Now, my interest in the subject came from having had a sighting when I was very young, eight or nine years of age, and then subsequently when I was 18, having a contact experience that was really extraordinary, uh, a direct contact experience with uh, extraterrestrial people and an a interstellar vehicle when I was up uh, in uh, North Carolina up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So... Uh, that whole, all of that is sort of portrayed in, in a documentary called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which is on Amazon Prime and uh, 2D and Roku and everywhere else. Uh, but the work that I've done with the disclosure of these secret projects, um, people can see on uh, the same platforms, uh, it's called Unacknowledged. And it comes from the first word of a, a very highly classified uh, subset of 
uh, black projects that are known as unacknowledged special access projects. So that's how we got the name unacknowledged for that documentary. Yeah, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you and your your crew and a bunch of other really great people in April uh, in Scottsdale with the the filming, or at least part of the filming of Cosmic Hoax. Now, you've, like as you mentioned, you've done several really great documentaries outlining a lot of this information, and I urge everybody to go back and watch those if you haven't already because they're just packed full of great information, things that have been hidden from us, and. Uh, so um, this year, though, uh, we were there when you were filming the Cosmic Hoax, and you guys, you guys presented some in- amazing information that just blew everybody away. And and I really urge people to go watch that Cosmic Hoax. It's available on uh, Dr. Greer's YouTube channel, on Amazon Prime, uh, a bunch of different places. But that, well, actually, Amazon Prime, <clears throat> Amazon is now not allowing us to post that. Oh, really? So- What's uh-huh. happened big tech is that there's censorship that's going on. It's getting out of control. It is on iTunes and okay. it's on a number of other uh, sort of blockchain sites. But the Cosmic Hoax pulls the curtain back on everything you're seeing in the media about how they are presenting this as a national security threat. And ironically, all the footage that you see on CNN and uh, MSNBC and Fox News and uh, covered in the Washington Post, New York Times, mainstream. Uh, all that footage are of our man-made UFOs, or called alien reproduction vehicles, from the Lockheed Skunk Works and uh, Northrop Grumman, which, in, ironically, my my uncle uh, worked Northrop Grumman and actually worked on the uh, lunar module. That was the machine that put the first man on the moon in 1969, Neil Armstrong. So uh, it's interesting to see the spin that the spinmeisters in uh, classified projects keep putting on this. And because uh, it's, it's almost comical if it wasn't so serious, because the reason that they're trying to now ramp up what I call the false disclosure on this subject <clears throat> with uh, characters like Luis Elizondo and uh, Nick Pope and others is that they're trying to convince the public to support uh, the buildup of weapons in space and to do that, you have to present some kind of existential threat, which they're pretending is uh, of extraterrestrial origin. In reality, the actual extraterrestrial civilizations are uh, preeminently non-hostile and peaceful. <clears throat> but the uh, intelligence community, in order to keep the war machine moving forward, are trying to create a big new boogeyman enemy. Because, uh, you know, they know that we can't really do go too much further with nuclear weapons with Russia and China, et cetera. And they've sort of run out what they can out of the nations of concern terrorism angle uh, at post 9-11. So the next big thing that was on the agenda that was uh, part of the long-term strategic defense plan that was uh, concocted back in the 50s, is the, quote, alien threat. As Werner Von Braun, who invented the rocket, Adolf Hitler said, his spokeswoman, who you met, Carol Rosen, is on our team, and said, look, they're going to roll this out. There's a long-term plan. He said this in 1974. And the the final card that they're going to play is the alien threat, the threat from outer space. And so this is what we've been trying to educate the public about and avoid uh, now in the last week or two 
you've seen all this media coverage that the Pentagon has started a new office to look into this threat. And Congress, uh, Senator Gillibrand and uh, Senators Marco Rubio and others are calling for the creation of a permanent office in the Congress to investigate the threat. And uh, unfortunately, the members of Congress, just like most presidents, are uh, provided false information on the subject because the people that uh, are providing national security briefings to folks like that, unless someone like me comes in through the back door, are the foxes guarding the henhouse. They're the ones who are trying to brainwash people about things that are completely false, such as the fact that these UFOs are a threat. Now, the truth is that there are two types of UFOs people see, man-made and extraterrestrial. The ones that are man-made are a threat to the national security because they have been used in a number of cases to do things to not only uh, fellow humans, but to stage events, um, sort of false flag operations. Uh, military call them deceptive indications and warnings or false indications and warnings. And those projects are really uh, out of control. They're outside the control and supervision of the president and Congress. And I might add, uh, for many of the flag officers, the generals and admirals that I have personally briefed at the Pentagon, uh, most of those gentlemen are also denied access to those projects. Yeah, it's it's really amazing to me uh, to, you know, when we realize that so much that goes on in our world is is so far beyond uh, what we think is is a control system or governments or anything like that. These people operate totally outside of all of that. And of course, as you alluded to, that you follow the money and that's, that's where you're going to see where things are happening. And of course, they always have to have a boogeyman. They've got to have somebody, uh, to scare the crap out of people so that, you know, they can keep that money going. And of course, we got the, uh, you know, we got the big nonsense scare going on right now, but, uh, you know, they're, that's going to run out at some point too. And they're going to have to, they're going to have some insight for your viewers. All the fear-mongering going on with that, and everyone knows what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I can only say so much. I'm a licensed medical doctor, still with an active license and DEA number. Right. But that is all a warm-up to seeing if the social engineering and psychological warfare that has attended that fear-mongering and the controls of society would work effectively enough for, for the next phase. And the next phase would be the staging of a threat from outer space. That's why in, uh, after we released Unacknowledged four years ago, uh, I don't know, a lot of people don't know this, on the black sites like Pirate Bay and the Dark Web and, and other sites as well as on Netflix and Amazon, uh, that documentary was seen by over 700 million people. Million, 700 million. When that happened, they formed this TTSA group with a, a, a boy, young man that I had briefed years ago and stayed here at my house in Virginia, Tom DeLong of Blink-182, and uh, Lou Elizondo, who is a master of disinformation and counterintelligence at the Pentagon, to uh, put move this out into the mainstream media in, in, in what would, to most casual observers, including people in the UFO subculture, thought was an initiative for disclosure, but it wasn't. It was the fulfillment of the, the, what I wrote about in 1990s of in a paper that's up on our web, website at SiriusDisclosure.com, S-I-R-I-U-S, 
Disclosure.com, and it's called uh, When Disclosure Serves Secrecy. And that was written, you know, uh, 20 plus years before this happened. And it predicts everything that's happened. And that is that they would put together an official, quasi-official and now official disclosure that would have this spin that it's a threat uh, to our national security and to the world. Because that was always the long-term defense strategy in these unacknowledged special access projects, these deep black projects that are uh, way beyond normal levels of just top secret uh, special compartmented information, TSSCI. So I think that uh, we knew this was going to happen at some point. The tipping point was going forward from the National Press Club event in 2001, 20 years ago. You were there in Scottsdale for the 20th anniversary of that. Um, and then it was then going to accelerate as we began to do more and more disclosure. Because we started with a couple of dozen military witnesses and whistleblowers. I now have 980. And so the kinds of information, and it's just on my YouTube channel, I think we have something like six or seven dozen military and corporate witnesses to this, you know, and documents, everything. So the media began to blacklist what we were doing. And now, in, with this current panic going on, they've begun to blacklist uh, even uh, YouTube movies, and uh, and Amazon are, are beginning to blacklist what we're putting out there. Uh, in fact, the unacknowledged and close encounters of the fifth kind, which were number one documentaries on Amazon, on iTunes, on all these have been denied placement on YouTube movies because their, quote, branding committee for advertisers have determined it too controversial. Now, it's interesting because that's all new. What I'm telling you here is breaking news. I found out from our distributor that the Cosmic Hoax wasn't, was banned even from being placed on Amazon for rent or sale, which they don't block anything from that and all kinds of stuff. So what's interesting is that the censorship that people have seen during the crisis of the last year and a half is now being used to test how much they can control information, technology, IT, and Internet systems to limit people's access to information or at least marginalize it into the fringes of some blockchain sites and what have you. So this is something that is all very new. Uh, that's begun to happen, which was also something we predicted. In fact, in the movie Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which is about CE5 contact and making contact with these civilizations, it, we actually state in that movie that the window of the free Internet and the openness of the Internet, that that's a window that's going to close. And sure enough, within a year of the release of that movie, uh, that happened. And so uh, this is really important. Uh that people understand that our freedoms uh, around the world. I mean, nobody wants to live in a totalitarian state like North Korea or something, but the freedoms that we take for granted in America and the West and most countries are really very precious. And as Eisenhower said, only an informed citizenry can protect that kind of democracy. But see, if the citizenry isn't informed and we're in a situation now where frankly the citizenry is not getting informed. They're getting some watered down version of the truth on almost everything. 
And this is something that people need to actually become activists to try to correct. Yeah, it's it's really a dangerous thing that, that's happening now. And, and too many people are still paying attention to mainstream media, which has become, uh, I mean, it's always been a propaganda tool, but now it's just, it's nothing but. I mean, if right. you want to talk about sports scores or Hollywood gossip, yeah, you're, you're going to get something fairly close to the truth or the weather, kind of. But it, when it comes to anything else, it's complete nonsense and complete propaganda. But, you know, I was thinking about something uh, as I was reviewing and, and, and looking over Cosmic Hoax today again, once again. Um, the fact that you put this documentary out, don't you feel like you've thrown a, a bit of a monkey wrench into that whole idea of them coming forward with it now? Because millions of people have already seen that. And oh, yeah, sure it's, that it's, it's in over 200 countries and it's on blockchain. Yeah, right, so... There, you know, it's, and it's only going to grow. You know, there's going to be more and more people see it. So don't you think maybe, uh, you managed to slow them up a little bit on that? Oh, we did because we released that July 4th, 2021, uh, a few days after the director of national intelligence issued their non-report report on UFOs or what the flavor of the month are calling now UAPs. Notice they keep making up fake terms for these objects when they're they're not here's what's interesting about UAPs they're not unexplained they're not purely aerial and it's not a phenomenon like ball lightning or something every word in that acronym UAP is false and was is designed to obfuscate hide and deflect from the truth that's how psychological warfare psyops operate out of the pentagon at any rate uh, yes, it has, it has completely, from when that was released until very recently, there's been total silence on this subject. Now, what's happened in the last couple of weeks, since uh, around the week before Thanksgiving to now, has been a uh, ramping back up of the creation, the announcement of this office in the Pentagon uh, that's formed, and then the call for this congressional committee uh, permanent kind of office in Congress investigating, uh, with a rapid deployment capability to the threat. So these are things that are now beginning to come back to life. And we're going to have to keep at this, um, expose, as I call it, uh, we call this the cosmic hoax and expose. Uh, and, and the hoax part of it isn't that we're, that the UFOs aren't real. They are real. The, the hoax part of it is that it's a threat and the biggest secret isn't that we're not alone in the universe. The biggest secret is that through reverse engineering and the studying of these very advanced sciences since the 40s and 50s, we have been able to replicate so-called uh, field propulsion. Some people call it anti-gravity. It's technically not anti-gravity. But uh, And we have the objects that are zipping around that are man-made UFOs that almost anyone who sees them assumes it's, quote, alien. Now, the reason that's a bigger secret is it preserves the element of surprise when those objects are used in a false flag hoaxing of a threat. That's the reason why that's a bigger secret. They're happy for people to know UFOs exist. They just don't want to know that classified projects have man-made ones flying around out there. The other part of the, the, that secret is that 
you know, the whole world is is addicted now to using fossil fuels, oil, gas, coal, some nuclear power. Um, and those technologies haven't been needed since the uh, 50s or before. That uh, the, the senior scientists at the Naval Research Labs, who's on my team for years uh, until he passed away, uh, was inside the, quote, vault where he saw the unredacted documents on this issue where it stated that we had mastered gravity control through these electromagnetic field systems in October of 1954. So there have been man-made things floating and flying around out of the Nellis Range outside Las Vegas, out in the desert, Nevada, and at other sites, Edwards Air Force Base, what have you, uh, since the year before I was born. I was born in 1955. So it's interesting that you know, here we are still burning oil and gas and coal, and we haven't needed those technologies, or for that matter, surface roads, since before I was born, over two-thirds of a century. Uh, that's a huge scandal, because, you know, we're preparing to spend trillions of dollars on these environmental initiatives from the government, and none of them are going to make a, a hell of beans difference. It's too little, too late. What we really need to bring out are the innovative science and technologies that are this uh, this whole new physics, dealing with what's called trans-dimensional physics, zero-point energy, where you can create a very high-voltage vector into space into the space around you and pull out and tap what the Tesla called the infinite energy field, uh, and but which has been more properly called the zero-point energy field. Some call it the quantum vacuum. There's a little bit of difference. Won't get into the physics of this. But the bottom line is you could have something that would fit on your coffee table that would run your house or your business, or for that matter, there are some that would run all of Las Vegas or D.C. or Paris that are that size. Uh, and you would have no energy bill. It's energy, quote, free because it's coming out of the fabric of space-time, and it has zero pollution. Now, the only the bad thing about that is that you have $800, $900 trillion in public utilities, oil fields, gas, coal, internal combustion engines, jet engines, rockets. You know, we don't need SpaceX either. Um, How's a memo to Elon Musk? Uh, rockets were interesting in the 40s and 50s. They were obsolete by the late 50s. Uh, here's a memo for people who drive Tesla plug-in cars. You're plugging in your battery Tesla into a coal-fired or gas-fired power grid for most of the energy. And all of that, while there are a lot of people who feel very sort of virtuous and self-congratulatory, the truth is uh, the extent and the energy density of those systems is insufficient to fix the world's environmental, uh, biosphere, and poverty problems in enough time. It's a distraction. It's a decoy. And I'm not saying that everyone involved in those environmental initiatives know that. They don't. But they've been played like a fiddle. And so this is another, the next phase of what we need to do for disclosure. And my next big project in 2022 is going to do a, a feature educational film with an objective for about a billion people to see it called The Lost Century, where we unpack 100 years of extraordinary sciences and technologies and prove they've existed, but then show what the world would look like 
once we can bring those out in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Now, to do that, it's going to have to be an open source uh, research and development initiative because everyone who's tried to bring out those technologies in the past 100 years have had them confiscated or they've been killed or what have you. You're going to have to do this open source, and the lab itself is going to have to be live streamed on the Internet with millions of people watching through blockchain systems. Uh, that couldn't have been done 10 or 15 years ago. It can be done today. So what we're going to do is educate the world about the, this subject, but really focusing on the science technology and how these technologies have been kept secret and then present to the world a plan and show what the world's going to look like. Because Jimmy, the world is a faint shadow of what it should be. I mean, we should be living in a paradise by now where there's no poverty on the planet. Most illnesses have been healed and cured, and we have that ability through these kind of classified technologies. There is no uh, fouling of the air or water. The energy is free, and you have a very abundant world. Instead of a world where you have right now about 3 billion people, uh, I just read this study, are still cooking and getting their cooking their food by chopping down trees and making charcoal. And they don't even have cooking gas or electricity. That's three billion of the seven or eight billion people. So we are so far behind the curve of evolution of where we should be if it wasn't for the greed and the corruption of these big global macroeconomic actors that are at the heart of what they're doing. Uh, the sort of the heirs to the origins of industrial fascism. They are truly fascists. And this is what people have to understand. Uh, it's a, in a sense, we won the battle of World War II, but we lost the war. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that uh, that's exactly what's happened. And the idea that if we have this free energy technology and the other hidden technologies, that is freedom. Because if everybody had uh, their own free energy device for their house or for their business, and we had replicators to make food or, or systems to grow food with free energy. And, you know, we can create all of our own things. That's freedom. That's total freedom for everybody. And the fact that these entities, I, I, I don't know who runs the world. You know, nobody's come out and said it's oh, him I, and him and her and those people. Or I do. We do. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been put in the meetings with them. Uh, you know, and then, you know, these are, you know, some of them are whack jobs, um, who are have sort of a, uh, uh, what, what do you, you know, the word is eschatological worldview, the eschatology is the study of how the world's going to end. Yeah. Uh, one of them said to me, he said, look, you know, we really want to have World War III and an interplanetary war. So enough people are killed and it's a big enough crisis like Armageddon that Christ will return on a cloud and blah, blah. I mean, you know, these people, they're not wrapped too tight. They're a little they're insane. bit insane. They're, they're totally insane. Sort of a, uh, and they, they live in a bubble of sort of a weird psychosis. Um, but they honest heart and soul believe what I just said. I mean, I know this sounds wacky for rational human beings, but, um, but frankly, you know, it's like Dr. Strangelove, that movie, yeah. you know, wild, crazy scientists riding the nuclear missile down going, yeah. You know, that they're kind of like that, really. Yeah. You know, I, I've spent some serious time with a number of people who are in this committee 
the Majority Intelligence Committee and this committee of folks from around the world that work on this. And it's a, uh, I just listen when I'm at this guy. I would ask uh, open-ended questions and do affirmative listening. Uh, and that's how in the 90s and 2000s up till now, I, I've learned a great deal about how that is structured, what their agendas are. Now, we keep in mind there are multiple agendas playing. There are some of them that are purely geopolitical macroeconomic. As one admiral said to my team, we don't want to have to deal with this. It's too big of a change. Think about it. You bring out the, this information and with it, the truth about the technologies and how they work. Uh, it was like the REM song. It's the end of the world as we know it. Uh, you're going to change everything about the economy and how society is currently working right now. We have a, a world of vassals or, or, or serfs with a handful of, uh, you know, a few hundred people and corporations that really control the entire large economic system. If you pull in and bring in uh, something that's a, a prime mover, like a new technology that takes, uh, puts into everyone's home and car, energy, and the means of manufacturing, the means of creating wealth. So it's not highly, highly centralized, which the current energy and industrial uh, economy is. That changes everything else. Now, those changes would be very good uh, for 99 plus percent of humanity, but it would be very bad for the people who want to be in the catbird seat and run the show because not only would literal power, energy slip from their fingers and control, but figurative power as in geopolitical power and power over people would begin to dissipate from their control. So this is all about power and control, uh, the secrecy related to this subject. Everyone thinks, oh, little green men, ha-ha. No, the reason there's so much extraordinary secrecy around this issue, up to and including, you know, the, the, the people I have personally briefed, sitting CIA directors, sitting members of Congress, sitting intelligence committee members, uh, the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Wilson, uh, the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and on and on and on and on. I've personally been at done these briefings. All those people brought me in because they knew what we were putting out was true, but they were being denied access when they went through channels. Your listeners need to let this sink in. We're talking about the the director of the CIA, the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is like the CIA for the Pentagon. It's the top position. And uh, I, when I met with the Minister of Defense of the United Kingdom and Australia and Canada, three of the other of the five eyes countries, U.S., you know, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain, none of them. Not one of them was briefed on these projects. And that's why they asked me to come in. I said, look, when, when, when Lord Hill Norton, who had been Minister of Defense of, of Great Britain, asked me why they would have not told him, I said, because you're a good guy. You would not have stood for a fascist, illegal, and unconstitutional project as keeping this from the public and also impoverishing half the world's population and killing millions of people a year unnecessarily through poverty, starvation, pollution.
I said, you, you wouldn't have stood for it, would you? He says, no, I wouldn't. I said, that's what they didn't tell you. They only bring people into that system who are bona fide sociopaths, quite frankly. Um, and I know people, you know, I, I come across a bit strong on this, but I speak from direct personal knowledge. This is not a conspiracy theory I Googled off the Internet. Yeah. This has been my, my, unfortunately, my goddamn life for the last couple of decades. And it's very difficult because most people don't realize, you know, uh, you know, as, as an emergency doctor, I was shuttling from North Carolina where I was, you know, chairman of an emergency department up to Washington to meet with these sorts of people. And one person after another, after another told me the same story that they were in these very high positions, but they were being denied access to these projects. Well, if that's not the very definition of illegal, unconstitutional, rogue operations, I don't know what is. So this is, this is the problem. And this is also the problem with what's going on right now in the Congress and the Pentagon. Those people that are sincerely, I, I think Senator Gillibrand and Marco Rubio sincerely want to get answers, but they're never going to get them through the system because the system is hermetically sealed. The people they would have on their staff to look into this wouldn't be shown the first level of information on this subject. So that's one of the problems. This is why I'm actually starting an initiative to have a group, a consultancy that's in Washington, engage us on behalf of Congress and also people in the Pentagon formally to provide uh, independent, non-governmental uh, research and information to them because they're never going to get it through the channels. They're never going to get it. Uh, and this has been going on since the 50s with the Robertson panel, uh, the Project Blue Book. It was all window dressing. You know, they were saying, oh, we're going to study what these things are in Project Blue Book in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. That's why we'd already been 12 and all that. Yeah, but we'd already captured these things and we're reverse engineering them and had copies of them that we figured out up flying around by the time Project Blue. That was a window dressing. It's a dog and pony show. And that's what's going on now. All this stuff you see on 60 Minutes and CNN, every single person they've had on those shows are people who are actually carrying the water for these covert, wittingly or unwittingly, for these covert projects acting like, gee, we don't know what these are. You know, one of the things I think is very funny is that there, in the cosmic hoax, people should go see that. There are three central lies that we expose. One is in all the mainstream media and all these ufologists that are on these shows keep saying, we don't know what these are, but we need to study them. It's a joke. <laughs> We've known what they are since the forties, fifties, even before. Uh, and the second thing they say is, uh, we couldn't, they couldn't be ours. We don't have anything like this. And then they'll trot out a Navy pilot or an Air Force pilot. Well, if you're flying a jet aircraft, the jets were first invented in the thirties, became widespread, you know, later in forties, fifties, sixties, you're not being read into electromagnetic field propulsion of a man-made UFO from a black project at the Lockheed Skunk Works. So to the pilot, this is an unknown. But it's not unknown. They just haven't been informed. They haven't been read into or briefed. So that's the other big lie. They'll have these people go up there and say, it couldn't possibly be something we have. Our military, it is. And the third big lie is that they're a threat to the national security, implying that these unknown objects 
with the inference that they're from another world or dimension are a threat to our national security, when in reality the threat to our national security are covert human projects being run illegally. That's the threat to our national security. So the whole thing is is 180 degrees opposite, upside down. So that's why we did the cosmic hoax, because the juggernaut that got released after we released Unacknowledged, that documentary, was so strong. And, of course, the covert programs have people inside the mainstream media and in the tech world to open the doors to the people spreading lies. And they'll keep the door shut to anyone who has the truth. That's the way this works. And we've known this, of course, since the 90s. But I think at this point, this is why the public is going to have, now that we have blockchain sites and other ways of getting information out, uh, we're going to have to understand that a lot of sites that are controlled by large trillion-dollar tech companies are going to be just as shut down to the truth as the New York Times or Fox or any of the other networks because they simply are not going to let the truth come out. Uh, in a, in a big, uh, public information forum, forum that could change public opinion. And, you know, we've seen that happen with this crisis uh, over the last year and a half as well, that anyone who comes up with information that doesn't comport with the official narrative is banned, shut down, or deplatformed, or what have you. So this is something that uh, people who are concerned about the future have to become more activist about because being passive isn't going to work. There's going to have to be a peaceful uh, revolution and resistance to that kind of totalitarian and fascist policy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're in a, a spiritual war as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, we are, and it's it's a war, uh, it's an information war, it's a spiritual war, it's a war of consciousness as well. So uh, we have a situation where, you know, if you think about these psychotic uh, sociopaths and psychopaths that are running the world, they have their minions, okay? They've got the people that they've bought and paid for to carry out their plans. But really the hammer that they have, they have military people and police, so my thinking is, look, we've got to get to those guys. We've got to talk to the men and women in uniform and say, look, hey, uh, you need to understand that you took an oath to our Constitution, number one. Number right. two, if you, somebody gives you an order that's immoral, like telling you, oh, that guy's protesting against the government over there, you need to take a shot at him or, you know, take him out or whatever – you know, that's that's the level that we have to really uh, create an awareness and a higher consciousness at those order followers. Now, I'm not blasting the military, the police, because my dad was a cop uh, at one point, and I totally respect what they do because it's a very difficult and, and horrific job at times. But there comes a point when there's a line that's crossed by these so-called powers that be where they tell these people, you know, you've got to enforce our edicts. And we're seeing that right now with the current situation and we'll see it even more in the future. So it's definitely a, a, a situation of consciousness as well. And so that's, that's something we need to address. And I'm really excited about the, the new uh, documentary that you'll be working on next year. I think that's going to be fantastic. Now, before we go though, I really want to get into a little bit the CE5 technology that you, pioneered and what that's all about. So if you could share 
uh, with our viewers. Uh, let's talk about CE5. Sure. Uh, you know, that's the, the best way to get an introduction to that is the documentary that came out last year called Close Encounters of the Fifth Time, which is what CE5 stands for. So I started that project formally in 1990, uh, but I had been experienced having experiences with it since I was 18 in 1973. And what it is, is the understanding that interstellar civilizations, extraterrestrial, the real extraterrestrial civilizations, to communicate or using technologies that interface with the consciousness field and thought. This gets in this whole discussion of science of consciousness and what physicists call entanglement or the entangled universe, where every point in space and time is connected to every other point in space and time, not through the speed of light or space, but through these uh, more conscious dimensions that are more subtle and subtle and subtle energy. And so extraterrestrial civilizations have technologies that interface with what I call coherent thought, very directed thought emanating from a more expanded state of consciousness. So if you go to your uh, app store, Google or, or, or Apple, you'll, you'll see that there's a, a, an app called CE5 Contact. And CE5 Contact is now being done by millions of people around the world. Uh, and everyone from Demi Lovato to... Uh, Steven Tyler to William Shatner, who just went up in space in that uh, Roman candle, uh, has have been, been talking about it. But what's interesting is that very ordinary people can use these techniques that are meditative and then cross over into the ability to remote view, see with your consciousness, and then use a specific set of techniques to invite these ET beings to interact with you. And the kind of experiences happening by people all over the world is phenomenal. And we just have the tip of that iceberg in the documentary, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. But what's important about it is that you don't have to be Ingo Swan or a remote viewer at the CIA or me or anyone else. Anybody who is a human, who is awake, can become aware of awareness and expand their consciousness and use these techniques to make contact if they have the right stuff, the right attitude, peaceful, non-prejudicial, prejudicial, and doing it for the right reasons. What we found is that it has nothing to do with one's education or uh, supposed psychic abilities. It has more to do with what's in your heart and mind, what your intention is. And interestingly, what Dr. John, J-A-H, at Princeton found, when he was doing the work with people thinking to random number generators and causing them to shift more to ones versus zeros or vice versa, is that any person pulled off the street can have that effect where their consciousness field and thought, intentionality, can alter a random number generator, which is type of quantum machine. Interestingly, imagine extraterrestrial civilizations have transmitters and receivers that are, you know, hundreds of thousands of years beyond that that very accurately can convey and tra transmit and receive coherent thought, clear intended thought. So that's the foundation of the CE5 contact protocols, and that's what's in the app. It's a training program that's on this app. Uh, from, from that, you can form a team. Like we tell people, get you know three, four, five, ten people that you're in sync with and get along with, 
and go out to remote areas and do this. You'd be very surprised what will show up mm-hmm. above your head. Um, in fact, I, I love the story of a Croatian truck driver. They will show up. Who wrote to us not, not long ago. And he got, he had the app and he was just this burly dude, you know, truck driver in Croatia pulled over late one at night to just take a rest and was doing the, had the app playing and doing the meditation. And this extraterrestrial vehicle literally materializes to the left of his truck and floats right over the cab and then dematerializes on the other side. And he writes in, and of course, you know, we're getting, you know, thousands of these kind of reports. Uh, and in some cases, people actually get video or photos of it. What's very interesting is that that kind of proves that there's a universality uh, to this conscious field. That everyone get, you know, it falls into all kinds of guru stuff and 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 different, you know, uh, spiritual uh, sex, but and it gets very mythologized and all kinds of trappings all around it. In reality, it's very simple. I mean, the basis of it is the fact that consciousness is never fixed in space and time. This was proven decades ago scientifically. It's it's a field. That isn't limited by space and time, but that means that when you go into a quiet state of consciousness, which is what meditation helps you do, you can then operate from that level and see any place in space or time, looking back in time, forward, or any point in space without the limits of the speed of light. Now, what you're, we're using right here is at 186,000 miles a second, the speed of light. This is instantaneous. It's like, what's the speed of thought? What's the quanta of thought? And what is the consciousness field? Instantaneous, even if it's uh, millions of light years away. That's why we had, if, if you look at this film, Close Encounters of Fifth Kind, you'll see a picture of this ET that showed up at Joshua Tree National Park that's from the Andromeda Galaxy. It's two and a half million light years from here. Mm-hmm. So just your viewers should understand the speed of light going as fast as light goes. It would take two and a half million years to get there and another two and a half million years to get back. So we know that the sciences, the physics, the spacecraft, the communication systems are all operating trans-dimensionally in deeper dimensions that are increasingly conscious, sort of like an astral body experience when you have a out-of-body experience or a lucid flying dream. Imagine an entire huge spacecraft being able to resonantly shift and operate at that level like your spirit body does. But but technologically, that's what we're talking about. I know it's a bit mind-blowing, but this is this physics and information has been known for decades in the intelligence community. And yet the average person is still going, gee, I wonder if UFOs are real. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? There's this huge disconnect between where we should be in 20. 21 and where we are and that because if you control people's worldview and knowledge you can control them by keeping them ignorant so i think this is really both a spiritual and educational effort that all of us need to engage our embark on yeah and uh you know we of course are spiritual beings and we are creator beings and the right. the proof of that is that these controllers spend so much of their time trying to program our minds to think along the lines that they want us to think to create the world that they want 
So we have to start thinking in terms of creating the world that we want, the freedom that we want, the the energy, <laughs> free energy and all the, the high tech things that we can have to improve everyone's life in, in the whole world. And uh, to your point about getting in that conscious state, I think most people can relate to that as, uh, you know, when you say a prayer, it, it's very much the same thing. You're setting an intention. You're putting out energy into the collective field. Uh, and this is also the way you communicate, if I, if I have this correct, right? Right. Well, so, we're going to do this. I'm just the first thing I've done since we locked these dates today, April uh, 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 8th, 9th, and 10th outside Scottsdale uh, on the, the Native American lands. We're going to do a mass uh, CE5 contact conference and then on the last night go out under the stars with hundreds of people. So people should get on our mailing list. You can get a free newsletter from our uh, website and we'll, you'll get notices about that. We have not actually set up the, you know, registration system yet, but we've locked in the facility and the date. So that's April uh, 8th, 9th and 10th that weekend. Oh, that's um, great. So they can go to seriousdisclosure.com and find that, right? Not right now. Soon. Uh, probably in the next couple weeks, it'll okay. be up. We don't have, uh, we're still working on it. I just want people to think about it, put it on their calendars, um, because it's going to be a, a great event. Uh, I mean, we can only hold, I maybe, I think six or 800 people, uh, where, where we've engaged the space, but, um, but we're going to also live stream it. So, and I'm hoping I can get some people like Danica Patrick and Aaron Rogers and, uh, Demi Lovato and, uh, Steven Tyler, some other people who are, you know, well known involved so that they, it can light up the whole, uh, metaverse, but also consciousness globally. So we do a sort of do a global CE5 event that last night under the stars, but actually the whole conference will be streamed uh, for oh, people. That get, sounds great. That sounds really exciting. And, uh, yeah, so that's, will, that's I, breaking news. Okay. Sounds really good. Uh, I will put a link in the description below for everybody for Dr. Greer's uh, website. So be on the lookout for that. Check back in a few weeks and, uh, you know, get get on the mailing list so that you can keep informed of these events and things that are going on and, and find out about the new projects that Dr. Greer is pioneering and the information that he's putting out to all of us. So, Dr. Greer, thank you so much for being uh, for your help and support with By us the way, today. Jimmy has really been help, helpful in helping providing support for what we did with the Cosmic Hoax. And, uh, you know, all of our, all of our documentaries have been crowdfunded, meaning that we don't have a corporate sponsor or, uh, a, a corporate entity censoring it. it we right. have to, uh, control over putting the truth and the whole truth in them. So this next documentary educational film, that we're going to start working on in 2022. We don't have that up yet, but that will also be crowdfunded. And people wonder why I do that. I say it's because, uh, you know, I'm retired as a doctor and creating these things that ain't cheap. But by having the public do it and support it, then you're not beholden to a big media corporation who's then going to censor it. So that's why do it that way. And, And it keeps the information pure without it being corrupted by other interests that would come in. So that's actually all these documentaries that you we've referred to, every single one of them have been crowdfunded by mm-hmm. the public, including you. So thank you. <laughs> 
My pleasure. And, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to, to, uh, to get to speak with you and, and hope to see you in the future again. So thank you so much for spending your time with us and, uh, we'll catch up with you at another time, hopefully soon. Yeah. I hope to see you at least out there and, uh, uh, outside Scottsdale in April. For sure. For sure. Uh, Looking forward to that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Now, what what we learned uh, that uh, Dr. Greer was saying is that all these systems, the Andromedan galaxy, two and a half million light years from here, and another two and a half million light years back to here. And he said consciousness is where this is operating, which is transdimensional. Transdimensionality is the way. And he's talking about consciousness not being fixed in space or time. So consciousness is the speed of thought in a certain way, 186,000 miles per second. Uh, I'm just saying, let's put all that in our cup of meditation time now because we're going to do a meditation and Rama's going to tell us what the subject is. This is Cryon time travel. Time travel? That's what it says. 43 minutes. Here we go, everybody. <laughs> Gotta go through the portal. Doctor Who's waiting. <laughs> Here we go. 43 minutes. Uh. Ones, I'm crying a magnetic service. There's so many who have heard these words so many times. And yet there are so few who have literally corporally sat in front of me and my partner during this event. It's called channeling. And there are so many energies here that you can either see or not see, so many energies that you can either accept or not accept. There's a reality that is being presented to you here that you, you haven't really seen before or understand. And if you're not in a place that is ready to see them, it becomes confusing. And this leads to then the decision you had that would say, it isn't real. And again, I bring this up as I have over and over and over. Your reality is limited to what you've seen. Or what you're told should be or should not be. And that's too bad. And that particular thing, the discernment factor of humanity, is a box that even keeps science 
from seeing what is real. The logic of spirit is expansive. The logic of humanism is not. You often have this philosophy that says, this is the way it is unless you prove it's different. (laughs) And therefore, the possibilities that something is different is not entered into the equation unless you have absolute solid proof that it is something that you ought to look at. And then the box is restricted. I represent the great central sun. This is a metaphor, of course, for the creative energy. There is no sun that is the center of anything. The metaphor is that the sun for you is everything. It gives you life. It sustains you, keeps you warm. It's the thing you want to bask in when you relax. It's a metaphor. Central, meaning it's in the middle, as it should be. There's no bias, therefore, whether it's higher or lower. It's in the middle. It's the creative source. It's God. It's spirit. It's whatever you want to say. And I want to tell you, the logic of God is so much larger. Because spirit is the master physicist. And all the mysteries that you perceive as mysteries in the entire universe and the galaxy that you look at are simple rules known to God. Simple. But if you do not have that logic which wishes to think beyond the box that you believe is real, they will remain mysteries. And so I ask you yet again, Is this a mystery? Is the man in the chair giving you cryptic information from a source that you question? And what is it you would do with it? Let me put this into perspective, my perspective. You have a meeting with a brother you have not seen for a long time and you want to catch up. Oh, it's so good to see him. He starts talking about things that are magical and mysterious that he's seen and done. Oh, it's so good to sit in his presence and you feel family. Or do you? Or do you say to him, well, I haven't been where you've been, so I question what you're telling me. Or you do, do you say, you know, you've, you've gotten older, so I don't really know whether you're my brother because you look different than I thought you would. I'm not even sure you're my brother. And you get up from the table and you leave. And you feel pretty good about your logic, don't you? (laughs) And there will be those who will leave the room today feeling pretty good about their logic. There was no discernment past what you expected, was there? And this is where I give you the invitation yet again. Can you open up just for a day and see whether the energy makes sense to parts of your body you're not even sure you have? The discernment engine, the spirituality, 
the beauty of one. I want you to sit with your brother and listen. Because all I have ever had for you is love. All. In 26 years, I've never asked you to do anything out of integrity of what a human would do. In 26 years, I've never asked you to join anything. All I've done is extend my hand and said there may be something here from the source that is the center for you. Last night, in another meeting, I started to talk about the templates of consciousness. These templates were given to you by what we call the time capsules of the Pleiadian. A system so precious and beautiful and part of that which is the knowledge of dark and light. When you read the creation story, no matter what version you read, you see the benevolence of God giving humans choice. Some of the stories have been altered to reflect low consciousness. We said last night, it's funny, that when you project what the galaxy may be like when you visit it, all you're going to see is war. You better take your weapons, right? You have just projected the lowest seated consciousness in the galaxy to everybody. (laughs) Without awareness, that the galaxy may have life that has been here for millions of years and solved the problems of low consciousness. But you carry them and you project them. You project them to God. You project them to ETs. You project them to planets, stars, Star Wars. Don't project them to me. I come to you like so much of the galaxy does. In love. There is more here than you think. And it's safe. And this is what I want you to see and discern. Don't take my word for it. Oh, dear ones, there was a time when this whole idea of my partner channeling was a bit iffy. (laughs) Because he didn't believe it. And all I did was give him love. And he didn't believe it. I could look into his mind and know why he didn't believe it. He was waiting for the other shoe to drop. He was waiting for some other alternative reason why he would be giving unconditional love. He couldn't, he couldn't get out of the darkness of humanism that always looks for the alternative reason. Because that's what a low consciousness does. Dear ones, you are passing out of that. And that is the best news I could give you. A slow evolution of humanity passing out of the dark ages that is all of humanity up to 2012. An age of conquering and greed where compassion is nothing 
except an occasional word from a mother to a child. Where compassion is not the way of humanity at all. And that is going to change. Is it possible? Is it even in your reality to think maybe you could graduate from an old human nature to something that is new? Can you give that possibility a chance that human nature is not galactic nature? And that you're going to start a growth period of wisdom. I want to talk more about the template tonight. I want to give you part two from last night. I want to describe some of the attributes of the new template that the time capsules, which are opening again, start to give you. Well, you're not going to believe any of it. Unless you can believe that it's possible for human nature to shift. The issue, as I described before, is reasonable. The issue that would keep you tied into the old energy is reasonable. I know it. Because all you have ever seen for thousands of years is conquering greed, hate, drama, and death. And I come along and tell you, it's shifting. It's a stretch, isn't it? Especially when you look at your news, isn't it? And then go back and listen to what I told you years ago would take place, for this is what is taking place. The old energy is fighting so hard right now to take everything back to the way it was. And it's going to fight you globally, internationally, It's going to fight you domestically and personally. It wants to beat you up in personal ways, make you tired and give in and say, oh, nothing is ever going to change. Therefore, I won't look anymore. There is no spiritual thing that is any different than it ever was. Therefore, I will stop looking. And dear ones, if you do that, then the enemy has one. The old soul carries a light quotient which is enormous. And what I mean by that is every single old soul in the room holds a box of light that is incredible and it's just peeking out of the crack at the moment for what you could do. And this light is a metaphor for a higher consciousness of wisdom that is going to change your life Make you live longer? Make you live longer. You won't have a choice. <laughs> Because the light will cure you. Even of aging. Dear ones. That is what is ahead. What do you think? Real? Or not? We'll talk later. Greetings, dear ones. I'm crying of magnetic service.
each group of old souls has its own energy. Every single one. This one is unique as well. There is a camaraderie. There is an, a special family tie here. There are places on the planet where the old soul groups are reincarnate over and over in the same place. And we have said this before. There is a profundity in that system. For it creates a group that is more likely to know one another and have synchronicity with one another. There are other places in the planet that are just the opposite. Where you will reincarnate into a culture you don't recognize and spend a lifetime coming back to the one you do. Each human being has their own schedule based upon what they choose when they're not here. Be aware the system is not that of the central source. It's that of the human being's part of the central source. You have a piece and a part of God in you which knows everything. When you are not here, you are part of that which is the creative source. With a wisdom beyond anything you can imagine, you reincarnate yourself in a special way, in a special place, with energies to deal with the planet yet again. And when you came in this time, there was the potential you would pass this marker that we have talked about, and here you sit, having done so. This one was special. And in this area, there are many old souls who know one another and who will meet one another and do kinds of things with each other that are different from other places. It's a system of confluence, of consciousness. And it's beautiful. If you knew the whole scenario, you would understand that each soul knows the other at some level in some way. You are so different, dear ones, and that is what it's supposed to be. Your worries and your, worries and your fears are so different. And that's the way it's supposed to be. However, coming online, if you wish to use a modern term, is something that we have discussed just recently. And that is what we will call the template. A basic review is this. When the Pleiadians laid the groundwork for the seeding of humanity, giving them the peace of God that you have, esoteric, seeding you mixed your biology with them the result was the DNA you have now and inside it the things that you cannot see that are quantum and dynamic and carry with it those seeds of God we told you last time that one of the things that the original creation template had was that human beings would awaken as human beings with dark and light 
awareness and search first for the Creator. No other animal on the planet searches for the Creator. It's not simply the elevated intellect of a human being that allows this, it's the template. And as proof of this, I give you that. Over 85% of this planet believes in the afterlife in some way. That cannot be an accident, it cannot be chance, it does not fall into the bell-shaped curve. It was designed and planned that way and the template was yours. We told you that the template also included that energy and system which you call karma. The template was real, it was needed, it is your template. It has been the same template until now. The time capsules of this planet created the template through processes that you are not aware of that are grand and beautiful, that are quantum-based, that is to say multidimensional, and that come right from the creative source. Would it interest you to know that the Pleiadians are not just creatures from another part of the galaxy? They have their DNA working at over 80%. They're almost angelic. In their physics of consciousness, they don't need crafts to travel to other places. They use what you call the process of entanglement, already seen by your physicists. Where physical objects can be in two places at the same time. This is not beyond your reasoning. It is simply beyond your normal experience. And they gave this planet several attributes that you use today. This template that they gave you is not a controlling template. It's an influential one. It pushes that, which makes you think certain ways and gives you free choice about what you decide about them. I want to talk about the new template, and that is why we are here. You crossed this marker. A bridge was crossed in consciousness. And we will tell you, you can't uncross that bridge. And whoever doubts this, who leaves this room, history is going to show it. Humanity is different. You're going to leave behind some of the oldest propensities of the template. You're going to leave behind the idea of conquering and greed and conspiracy and power. It takes time, dear ones, sometimes generations, to rebirth consciousness. For one generation to see the folly of what they did the time before. To realize there are better ways to accomplish that which you really desire, which is health, celebration of happiness on this and lifespan lifespans that you have not had before the ability to get along with the rest of the planet and you will have different ideas and different spiritualities and yet you'll have tolerance to get along 
And you will see that as the prime directive, for that will create what you always wanted. Not war. We've told you before, the consciousness is so startlingly different that there'll come a time in history when you look backwards and everything that was before 2012 will be the barbaric age. This is where it's going, and you are beginning it now. This is year two. I'll say it again. Have you met any two-year-olds? <laughs> and what was your impression? This is where you are. You're just learning. You hardly know what it feels like. And yet there are old souls who have been through this on other places who are so anxious and so impatient because they know where it's going that they're frustrated. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And the only reason that you're so impatient, dear ones, is because you've seen it and you know what can happen. No wonder you're impatient. It's so different. We've told you before, don't expect a utopia. Humans will always be humans. There will always be those who will go to low consciousness with free choice, but they will be the minority, not the majority. Human nature will be that which is prevalent on the, on the planet, and it will be different because of this new template. The template, as described and defined, it helps you to think differently. It pushes you to awareness. Internal, subconscious suggestion that you may ignore or not with free choice. This planet looks for the creator and has found it. A monotheistic planet. Spiritual belief systems are everywhere. It's the first thing you notice when you go and travel. What is the belief system here? What is it over here? There's always one. Against all odds, the planet believes in God. That's the template. The new template is going to work with several things, but some of them you're going to recognize, some of them you already know, but I had to list them anyway. This new template is beautiful. I should tell you there are three more templates coming. This is just the beginning. There are no markers to pass, but there are places where literal inventions will make a difference in what you're aware of and what you do next, and a new template will be needed for you to think beyond where you were before. These are templates of awareness. And the very fact that you have a new one being broadcast from the nodes and the nulls, you should celebrate because there are those who said it would never, ever happen. <laughs> the template starts to recognize what we channeled recently, which is the triad. The triad is the new consciousness that involves the three parts of consciousness that we channeled about specifically. They are the brain, the intuition, and the heart. Those three represent the triad of consciousness. We talked before, you consider your brain is the central of everything. Your brain simply facilitates 
all of the energies of consciousness, it does not originate them. The brain originates that which is survival, intuition, and innate together, hooked to the Akash and the higher self, are then also processed by the brain, only you see them as differently and they feel different. And now we add that which science is starting to see as a player of consciousness, as an organ you think simply pumps blood, and it's the heart. The heart has the highest magnetic field of any organ, including the brain, in the body. There is more nervous activity in the heart for some strange reason than anywhere else, and it almost is seen by some science as the second brain. The heart is responsible metaphorically for compassion, and it is. The new template will increase the triads efficiency in your body. That is why the new human being is going to be more compassionate. You're going to be born that way. The empathy for other creatures just like you on the planet is going to drive you into peace. You will not send soldiers to be killed who are your sons and your daughters. None of you will. The idea will be abhorrent. No matter what is on this planet, you will not turn to that. It's barbaric. It is not what humans do. I promise. Every planet has gone through this. And that's where you're going. Hard for you to understand what we're talking about with this triad. A different way of thinking where intuition and the heart start to play a major part of thought and not the survival brain. You pass the marker. You've come out of the cave of survival and now you are into elegance. And the triad will be then increased in its efficiency. Along with the DNA, a compassionate soul will start to be born. It's already happening. Your grandchildren are far too compassionate for their age. And you know it. They look at other children who don't have what they have. And the first thing is they want to give away what they have to them. A compassionate soul does not happen at that age with the old human nature. In fact, children on the playground often take from one another instead of give. This is different. Take a look. It's already begun. That was number one. Number two is something called self-balance. My partner teaches it. It has already been on the agenda and taught this very day. But it's on the template because it is not necessarily something that all old souls have. Some of you are not self-balancing and you know it. Something will happen. Perhaps it's chemically. Perhaps it's psychologically. Perhaps it's even Akash. It will push a button in your brain. It will create an issue that then you have to have solved by another light worker. 
This has been common. It comes from an old energy paradigm. And it comes from one which is honored. And that is what healers and light workers are for. Suddenly this one has the old soul self-balancing. You're your own guru. You can see within yourself. It is a designed human attribute that now comes forward for that which is spiritual survival. Self-balance. No matter what happens, if you wait just a little while, it will return to a peaceful state. This is good news for some of you who have gone back and forth and swung the pendulum of emotions. There are many light workers who need to hear this because their lives, even though a mature old soul, have their buttons pressed from other reasons, even Akashic ones. It means that you have the ability to live a more peaceful life every day. You awaken in the morning instead of worrying about things to come. You have an overwhelming piece of self-balance, knowing that you'll deal with them one at a time with wisdom. It is self-worth, dear ones. <laughs> and it's about time. I want to cover just briefly some of the other areas of the template, and they all deal with innate. Innate is the new teaching we have given you before. It has been called the smart body. Innate is that part of your body which knows what's happening corporally, is connected to the Akash, knows about the triad and the heart, knows of the pineal, even knows of the higher self. It is part of the consciousness of you. It is not your subconscious, it's innate. It is a part of your body that is esoterically taught. That is to say, it is new. However, it is also one that many know about for they muscle test with it all the time, using that which you call kinesiology to discover more that you don't know with your brain. So let me discuss the bridge that is going to start being increased in the innate. The first is the obvious one, and we've taught it. And we'll, we'll get through this quickly, dear ones, because we want to teach the others. The human body, the corporeal body, is still a mystery to your consciousness, as odd as it seems. You don't know what's going on inside. And you will. This is the main bridge that's going to be crossed little by little. Human beings will start to be more aware of what is happening inside them in a corporeal fashion. And the proof will be this. You will have intuitive flashes and you will get a checkup become, because of it. And there will be discoveries that you will catch so soon the doctors will say, how did you know? It's up to you to tell them. This is your innate starting to cross the bridge to the triad. The consciousness, not necessarily even the brain, the heart, the intuitive part of you, 
facilitated by the brain will increase the bridge of knowledge between that which is conscious and that which is innate, allowing you very slightly at first to have intuition about what's going on in your body. Slowly, generation after generation will show that human awareness is increasing about what is going on inside. You can count on it. The second one of the innate series is what animals have had that you don't. You have called it instinct. You're going to have a series, I would say, a series of discoveries that will show for the first time that human babies are going to start receiving the instinct of their parents. That is to say, human beings are born and the first thing they do is walk. In the animal kingdom, it's right away. In the human kingdom, it's not. Because that which is instinct is not working. The baby comes in helpless instead of instinctual. Innate will start crossing the bridge of instinct. What the mother knows will be passed to the child. Now, we are not going to talk out of turn here. There are a series of channelings we have given for what is called the sisterhood. The sisterhood represents those in Lemuria in a certain time frame, what we will call the last Pachikuri of Lemuria. And those channelings are public and you can hear them. So what I'm going to tell you now is not confidential. Because if you pass from innate to that which is happening to you corporally as a human being when you're born, you're also going to pass something else. You are in the womb of the mother, sharing the life's bloodstream for all of those months. And part of what you will have, therefore, in this increase is the increase in the mother's consciousness passed to you. Whether it's male or female, the compassion of the female mother will play a more important part because of this, this instinct than ever before. And you will be born with a different attitude. My partner, I'm not really sure you said that correctly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the template is going to work so you're more compassionate. Could it be clearer? And it's going to happen because instinct of that which is your mother is going to be part of you. And your mother's instinct is compassion. She's a female. And she's going to carry a different kind of consciousness for this planet. And the planet's going to change because of it. Clear? <laughs> Innate is responsible. There are so many. You're going to be more in touch with Akash. This is the third innate in the series. And the fourth attribute of the day. Perhaps it's even the fifth. 
<laughs> but that's how you count things. You're going to be more aware of the Akash. Right now, the Akashic record in your DNA is responsible for irritating you. <laughs> Because it's not working well. All you remember from your Akashic record are things that are dramatic. A past life drowning. A death. Carries over the veil when you're born for only one reason. Because it is the same level of consciousness you are. Human nature responds to death and drama. And that's what you get from the innate. Now you're about to grow up. And as this starts to grow, your Akash is going to pass the things that really, really made a difference. Some of the most beautiful experiences you've ever had, you'll dream about them. Oh, you're going to wake up and wish you hadn't because they were so good. And you'll start remembering them. They will shape what you do next. You'll remember celebration and joy and good things that took place with you. All this is a change in the way the Akash responds to the template. A compassionate template for an evolved human being. This is the last one. You're going to have a greater relationship with Source. How can I tell you this? Right now, as you sit in the chair listening to me, there's a relationship. And it's not really a believable one, is it? You report to a room, a man sits in a chair. His conscious leaves him and in his body there's a beautiful entity as you feel it. I say it's a brother or sister who comes and gives you instructions. That's your relationship. And for a, for a few minutes you might enjoy actually the feeling that I give you when I hold out my hand to you and say let's Let's just join hands for a minute. You can talk to Creator, all right? That's going to change. Your relationship with that which is your higher self directly relating to that which is the creative source is something created by the template and the new innate. You're going to know who you are. when you're born and as you start to grow there'll be no question that you're part of creation how you treat it may be a mystery what you do with it is your free choice always free choice but there come a day when you don't wonder if there's a God you're going to wonder what part of it you are and there are those who are so impatient because you've been there and done that and you know I'm right. And you can hardly wait. That's the new template. Oh, there's more. But for now, it's enough. This is what I want to give you. 
To some, it's far-fetched. For some, you'll have no proof of it while you're on earth. For some, for some, for some. Free choice and discernment. And how you react to this message literally will shape what you do next. How much power over your own life and your own body do you really think you have? The more you believe you can change it, the higher your DNA will cooperate with you and will do the things you tell it to. Dear ones, that's how much power you have. I am crying. I will not tell you things that are not so. I know it's a double negative. I will always tell you things that are so. (laughs) But I want you to know there's no agenda except love. And that's a big one. (laughs) For it then defines the compassion of God, which you are starting to assume. Okay, can you real quick do it? So we got just barely 10 minutes. Oh my goodness. All we are saying is give peace a chance, everybody. We are beginning to assume the compassion of God, is what he said at the very last statement. We are just beginning to Assume the compassion of God, Goddess, all that is. Mm. Okay. Mm. Want to tell us what this is? Is that the title of this one, Rama? Um... Just if it's going to start, it's going to start. We'll listen. Just listen. We might go a little bit over time, but let's just do this if we can, as we can. Here we go. Greetings, dear ones. I'm Cryon of Magnetic Service. Again, for those who have not seen this before, it would seem that the energy that it takes. For the human then to get ready to channel and begin is too short. Because the standard model of channeling would have a distance in time. For the human being to adjust to major differences in countenance, in consciousness, in reality. partner lives with me, as I have indicated to all of you, is possible. Not to live with cryon, but to live with that which is divine within you to such a degree that you don't turn it on and off. And turning it on and off is linear, and that is what you've learned. 
But the very way that you go about worship in this land, you learn to linearize God. You go to the place of worship, dressed differently, acting differently, and only once in a while. And then you leave, as though God lives there, even calling it God's house, so you're free not to be in his house and act the way you wish. That is linearizing, something that is naturally inside. Inside of each of you lives the most divine thing that you can imagine. It's a piece of the creator, really, however you want to see that. Some call it the higher self, some call it the soul. You don't have to figure it out because this piece is multidimensional to a to, to a T, and that means this, that you cannot put a reality into it that you could understand. I said this once before. You don't have any trouble with thinking that God can listen to millions of you speaking at the same time. <clears throat> Even if you're saying different things, God is so powerful that this is no problem. The problem is this, is that you can't apply it to yourself. <laughs> is it possible you're receiving many messages at the same time right now? If you could hear the whisper, whisper, whisper of angelic beings in this very room who know your name and know who you are and have been with you for eons. Oh well. Whether you're building dynamic network models or forecasting real-world behavior, Neo4j's new graph algorithms book will walk you through hands-on examples of how to use graphs to solve saying, I see you, I love you, I see you, I love you. Do you remember me? Here's my name. I'm with you. I'll always be with you. That's my job. If you could, if you could hear and realize and hear somehow the whisper of the ancients and your ancestors and even those you loved and lost while you were here whispering, I'm still here. I love you. Did you know that? I am here. Would it change your perspective? <laughs> and the answer is, oh, it would. It really would. Because the reality that you live in, dear ones, has to be expanded. And that expansion is yours to do by yourself alone. Others can't do that for you. But what happens is when you come together in a group, all of you with some kind of an expanded reality, it changes the reality of the room. It changes what you can do together that you couldn't do alone. Delinearizing God, we've spoken of so often, delinearizing yourselves, we haven't really spoken of much. It has to do with this, if you're a piece of God, that means that you have some of the attributes, literally, of the Creator itself. And those attributes, attributes are this, eternal. All of you, every single one of you. All eternal. Your soul lasts forever. Number two, family. You all know each other. When you're not here, all of you know each other. You might think, well, that's a lot of souls to know. How linear of you. There is no limit to how many you can love. 
here once. Did you know that? There's no limit to how many you can love. Billions, trillions. You can see them. You can see their names in light on them, and you love them all. That's who you really are. So can you imagine with that how you might apply it to the circle of life with just a few that you have? Can you practice literally going to places that that you're only visiting for a moment? You're shopping, you're doing errands, and you see somebody coming, and you concentrate. I know the God in them. I know them at some level. I can see that they're nothing like me. They're not my age. Maybe they're not even my gender. But wow, I can see the family inside there. And in that, you treat them different. In that, you step aside and marvel at how beautiful they might be. This is the human at its best, learning the very things that we're being taught today in this very session. My partner started the series today, talking about that which is a journey that is heroic. It's a metaphor, a name for what's in every single one of you. It's a desire of how you see yourself completing life as a cycle that was heroic, where you did marvelous things, and then you return. And most humans don't see themselves in that scenario. They turn to the to the media and the novels and the, the poetry and all the things that will will put them into that state of of a reality where they can enjoy it because it's not them. But dear ones, I am saying it is you. Where are you in the journey today of the hero? And if I ask each one of you, might tell I'm not sure. Some of you will say, "Well, I just go about life the best I can, awakening and learning the best I can. I've got errands, and I come to do this, and I've got family to take care of." And that's what I do. And I want to tell you something, soul. All of that is minutia; it's peripheral. Yes, you do it all. What is the limit of your ability to love? Can you love while you do those things? Can you think of other things while you go through those things? And we come back to the original question: Can you multitask consciousness? How many places can you be at the same time with your consciousness? What part of the Creator do you think is missing in there? Or can you do it all? This hero that you are has walked through many things in this life in order to get you to this room. Or listening to these words, and finally you're listening to these words. And if you're if you're expecting profundities, I'll give you one. You are magnificent, and you are in the right place at the right time, doing the right things. You may not even recognize it as being the heroes of this age. You are anticipating an awakening. The Anticipating an awakening—that is to say, you recognize there's more here than you think. Then that linear mind pops in because there are seniors who are saying, "What's、well, a little late?" <laughs> 
not understanding that we see you, dear human being, dear soul, we see you all together in all of your lifetimes as one being. Doesn't matter how young or old you think you are, it's not too late, it's not too early. You are awakening into something you will continue when you return. And for the first time, you get this idea that this is not a linear learning. This is quantum, if you can even call it that. It's burst information. That's the promise. We've told you this before. There's a lot more here than you think. And you've got a lot more help than you think. What you do with this information next is up to you. I love working with old souls. I love working with you. Because I know all of your souls. Every single one. And when you're not here, dear ones, we party a lot. And we sing. And we laugh. And we enjoy who we are. I've never been a human. Ever. And what I see in you is magnificent. Enough said. Until next time. And so it is. And so it is, everyone. No more words. We heard it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, we're going to just allow everyone to stay with their high heart. And we will take a little break right now. And we'll be back. And we'll take a look at the stars with our brother Richard and... Okay, Pacha and Tanya Gabrielle, and it's amazing. So it is. Namaste, everyone. Ooh. Namaste. Hello? Hello? Hello, Richard. Pass the talking stick to you. Yeah, yeah, I almost disconnected the phone anyway. All right, good evening, everybody. It's the 11th of December. And we're going to do some astrology, astronomy checkup here. We got, uh, we'll start with Mars in the last, very last degree of Scorpio tonight. Uh, Mercury has, uh, gotten ahead of the sun. It's now about eight degrees ahead of the sun at 28 Sag. Alright, sun's at 21 Sag, okay, then we got, been going on the last few days, Venus exactly conjunct Pluto today, so it's been under the influence of uh, Venus modified by Pluto. Uh, Saturn is up at 10. Uh, Jupiter's moved all the way up to 28 Aquarius. Very interesting. Uh, Neptune, you know, still at, uh, still at 21 Pisces, uh, square the sun. Mars is 
square Jupiter, Sun square Neptune, Mercury square the Moon tonight at three Aries. Chiron still at nine Aries, and Uranus is still opposite my Sun at all. 12 degrees of Taurus. So that's where things are right now. I hope you all had a good week. The weather's been strange over here in Georgia. Back to you. Boy, here we go. Hey, Pacha, 37 minutes, everybody. Settle down here. It's Kaipacha with the weekly Pele report for December 8th of 2021. And there it is. The tree minus a few leaves. I want to talk about that a little bit in today's report. <laughs> I'm up here. I had my grandchild there last week and I'm going to be around up north here in the cloudy, coldy weather for the holidays and ah anyway on a uh, celestial astrological uh note we have uh got uh today mars is in square to jupiter exact uh moon is moving through aquarius uh tomorrow thursday she is going to go into uh pisces Hit that moon, I hit Neptune, yeah, uh, square the sun on Friday, moon comes along, conjuncts uh, with Neptune, squares the sun, and then on Saturday, uh, you know, continues on uh, just making a trine with Mars over there in Lake Scorpio before she moves into Aries on Saturday. Meanwhile, Mars is moving into Sagittarius. Okay, that, that is happening on Monday. Monday's a bit of, bit of a shift, uh, that, uh, Mars is not only moving into Sag, but then we've also got Mercury moving into Capricorn. So, uh, water to fire, right? And fire to earth with the Mercury. Things are going to get serious here. We got Venus moving along through Capricorn. Mercury's going to join uh, Venus in Capricorn, then the sun is going to come around and join Mercury and Venus and Pluto in Capricorn, and we've got more Capricorn ruled by Saturn going on here for a while. Yeah. And uh, the big thing that I want to be talking about here is Venus. Venus is coming up to conjoin with Pluto. Yeah, we so we have this big Venus-Pluto conjunction happening. And she is going to conjoin with Pluto um, at the 25th degree of Capricorn. And I want to read to you the Sabian symbol. I want to talk about that. Then she's going to go up. She's going to station, okay, um, at 26 degrees, like within one degree of Pluto. She stations, turns retrograde, and goes backward. 
So she's in Capricorn for four months. And she's at the 25th degree, basically, uh, you know, from uh, December 11th to the 28th. Okay. So, you know, uh, more than two weeks. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, it's 10 days at the one degree of 26 degrees. It's a lot, but the last thing I want to uh, be talking about, in, in, you know, besides Venus, Pluto, this change of Mercury and Mars, is the sun squares Saturn on Sunday. Same day that uh, the moon comes along to conjunct Chiron. Uh, Saturday night, Sunday, uh, you know, sun square Neptune goes for a few days. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. And let me look at the camera. All right, everybody. <laughs> Kaipacha has gone high tech, Mr. Natural. <laughs> Out there by the river, I got to tell you, I am a warm weather wimp, man. This cold weather is just like not my cup of tea. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to head out hiking and stuff. What I have to do is I got to now, I got to buy some, uh, you know, pants and boots and gloves and hat and everything and get out there. But I don't know. You know I, we may be getting some Bailey reports uh, from uh, indoors <laughs> these days. So what have I got? Virtual reality. How about this one? This is even better, man. Um, since I... I really don't want to get any, I don't want to get anybody sick. You know, uh, I think that I should really, uh, take care of myself here because, you know, I have a social responsibility with Saturn and Aquarius, uh, even though we're on Zoom. <laughs> How about this one? And, you know, just, you know, because he's I'm got different masks imposing over his face for my Zoom call. <laughs> Yeah, it's too freaking funny, man. Uh, I've also got, of course, you know. <clears throat> now yeah. he's got some yeah. shades uh, off. This is one of my, this is a, doo -doo -doo -doo. okay, let's get serious here because we have a lot of serious, uh, uh, stuff to uh, discuss right now. It's good to keep your sense of humor, uh, you know, with uh, Venus moving through Capricorn, um, and, uh, all of this, uh, energy going on right now with uh, Mercury going into uh, Capricorn uh, because it is sober, reflective, uh, remorseful, uh, you know, and Venus is going to go retrograde for uh, reflection and remorse and redo and restructure and repair and remember and all the re's that go along with retrogrades. <laughs> Basically, she's going to be going down into the underworld this is the time where you now see Venus and she's been high up in the night sky at sunset, right? She's been, you know, she's been our evening star. Well, she is going to be going lower, 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 lower until she's so close to the sun within 10 degrees where we're not going to see her at all. And you know, uh, and then it, it through that retrograde process. I showed you last week. If you go to last week's Pele report, I did uh, the Astroscope software to show you uh, what this phenomenon, uh, you know, looks like, uh, you know, and, and why uh, it appears 
as if Venus is going backwards, retrograde, uh, through the stars. It's just that the, the way that the, the alignment happens as we both Earth and Venus, uh, uh, rotate, uh, not orbit around the sun and, and Pluto is way out there. So we have this alignment of, uh, sun, not sun, but well, we will. The sun will come up to align with Pluto, but uh, we have Venus conjoined with Pluto for um, basically the rest of December. The descent of Inanna into the underworld. I actually do a meditation. Uh, uh, it's just an audio uh, that uh, is available on my website. I could put a link for it down below. But this is basically Inanna going through the seven gates, descending down into the underworld. And then she rises back up. But it is a process. Like we say, she is in the sign of Capricorn for four months. And what is it, you know, what does this all mean? And particularly now that we have, uh, she's exactly conjunct Pluto on Friday. Okay, and this is the first, so she's going to come up to Pluto and conjoin him on Friday and then go up to 26 degrees, go retrograde and come back and hit him right around Christmas, right? And then go, uh, you know, retrograde back to 11 degrees of uh, Capricorn before she comes direct again and goes into Aquarius. Well, she's then she'll conjunct Pluto a third time, probably like late February, early March before she scoots into Aquarius. So Venus in Capricorn, I'll probably be talking about her for quite some time. <laughs> you know, in Capricorn, Capricorn is, and so has so much to do with integrity. And it has to do with a stripping away of our persona, of our mask, of the social... Uh, you know, you know, we all try to look good in order to get the job, in order to attract customers, in order to attract partners. Okay, you know, we try and we put our best foot forward. And and this public face, okay, this this public persona, this business suit and tie, or you know, whatever you put on, okay, you know, in order to look good, in order to appear responsible, dependable, knowledgeable, in order to get treated with dignity, we all have Saturn somewhere. We all have Capricorn somewhere. We all have a 10th house. This is the archetype of the elder that has to do with duty, with responsibility, with objectivity, with showing up and pushing that, you know, card in the time slot, you know, yes, I work. <laughs> yes, I fulfill a public, uh, you know, role. We all have some kind of public role and even also with the family. So this has to do with, you know, of course, uh, you know, this pressure to perform, pressure to show up. Pressure to grow up. Pressure to honor our commitments. Pressure to, you know, to make contracts and deliver on those contracts. So we're all under pressure. 
And we've been a lot of under pressure, okay, you know, with Pluto since 2008, moving through Capricorn has, you know, exerted a lot of pressure on us. And of course, this is also what? External authority, policemen, people with uniforms, government officials, religious officials, educational officials, white coat uh, medical officials, uh, you know, uh, financial officials, uh, whoever we look up to as an authority on anything becomes an official Saturnian Capricornian boss. So it rules over institutions and the individuals okay, that are trying to control, that are trying to create laws, dogmas, doctrines, rules, boundaries, mandates that we need to follow if we are going to uh, be right, if we are going to belong to society, if we are going to go out of the house, I just posted. Did I post it? No, I didn't post it. But I guess in Spain they said you can't. You you have to wear a mask. You can only go outside if you wear a mask. So a bunch of people were uh, went naked on bicycles and with only a mask. <laughs> I <laughs> saw that. Their bicycles down the street wearing only masks. Oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> uh, again. Capricorn is actually uh, Saturn and Capricorn have to do also with sarcasm and with uh, cynical, uh, you know, ironies and some of your best, uh, um, uh, what are they, comedians. Some of the best comedians have a very strong Saturn, have a very strong Capricorn because they see the mask, right? And you can identify the mask. So this Venus coming around to Pluto, to me, is this going into the underworld. Uh, you know, the goddess Inanna strips down first her crown, crown chakra, you know, then her necklace, okay, you know, throat chakra. She goes down through each chakra until she, uh, you know, she ends up in the underworld absolutely naked, absolutely vulnerable, absolutely stripped down to the core. And this is what is occurring, okay, you know, as she goes through. And this is the, you know, the, the, this, this time period. I mean, she's really only within 10 degrees of the sun, uh, the, the first couple of weeks of January. She's actually invisible, okay, um, you know, in the underworld, as the ancients uh, called it, okay. She then emerges in the east. So she's now in the west. She goes down, joins and goes into the underworld, and we see her rise up in, in the east. Okay, uh, uh, beginning in, uh, in late January, she will uh, be rising. But what I want to say about this is that this is happening on both an internal uh, level and an external level. So internally, uh, we, uh, you know, Venus is my ability to love myself. Venus and Taurus is, is how the soul connects to the body. It is my inner self going down into the underworld. So, you know, each one of us may be on our own personal journey, looking at our own, where we have been out of integrity, 
where we have failed our contracts, where we feel guilty and ashamed of ourselves. This is the Capricorn Saturn archetype of guilt, using guilt, okay, you know, to maintain order, maintain structure, send people to jail, (laughs) Uh, you know, have laws that, you know, you break them and there's consequences. This is all this kind of Capricorn stuff. And so we can all be feeling even deep within ourselves and it's a very good time, actually. You know, this is this is the whole thing of uh, Santa's list. Have you been a good boy or a good girl? <laughs> you know, I mean, some of this happens every year, okay? You know, uh, as the sun goes into Capricorn, um, he's checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice, you know? You don't want to get charcoal in your stocking. And this is all this kind of energy, okay? You know, of karma, consequences, whatever that is that is happening. And I just want to say that um, it is a good thing. There's, you know, there's, there's two kinds of guilt. Okay. There is, uh, you know, external forms of guilt. And, and, and this is the two types of, of Capricorn and Venus going into Pluto. Okay. And, and this, this conjunction, particularly right now is we may be facing and we may be confronted, okay, by other people, with other people, or in our own meditations where we have fell out of integrity, where we have lost accountability, where we have let ourselves down, where we have let loved ones down, where we have let uh, family members or the world or our job or our company or our country down. And remorse. And this is, this is even more amplified with the sun in square to Neptune. Because this also has to do with disappointment. Neptune and Pisces and the 12th house, okay, has to do with idealism and innocence. And we all want to be angels. We all want to be rescuers. We all want to save each other. We all want to be the good guy. We all want to come in like the Crusades or, you know, like the uh, the Calvary. And I'm here to the rescue. And I'm the good guy. And I'm the good woman. And I'm your mom. Or I'm your dad. And I'll help you. We all have these kind of imaginations, these fantasies of being the knight on the white horse or, you know, Cinderella or the princess or you know, fairy godmother. And this is all Piscean, Neptunian kind of energy. And now the sun is at a 270 degree square to that Neptune. And again, the 270 degree square has to do with Capricorn. Okay. That is, that's the, that's the place where Capricorn begins in the natural horoscope. And that third quarter square, uh, you know, has to do with consequences, with karma with what we sent out at the 90 degree square coming back. So you can look back, what, nine months. Okay, that was when the sun was conjunct Neptune. And maybe uh, we had some ideals and we had some dreams that we were chasing and maybe we uh, promised this or we said that or, you know, in our uh, hopeful wishful, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay kind of self uh, committed to this head or the other thing. Well, now nine months later, how'd you do? <laughs> mm. 
Well, you know, uh, a few of us are angels. A few of us are, uh, you know, ideal, um, perfect human beings. If we were perfect, I don't think we would be human beings. So there is this disappointment with ourself. We are a work in progress. That is what this mantra is about. Okay, this week. And on a social external level, this is also a time and, and we know this is the end of the patriarchy. This is the end of, you know, top down, male dominated, uh, you know, power freaks and, uh, you know, psychotics, uh, you know, trying to take over and run. Okay. You know, the totalitarian, uh, you know, regime. Pluto moving through Capricorn is putting an end to this, but they're like I've been saying for many years. Okay. You know, it's not like they're going to just hand over the power. Oh, here's all the money and here's all the power and here's all the control. We're just going to spread it all out. We're going to feed all the hungry, house all the homeless. Thank you very much. It's been a wonderful uh, 6,000 years of you uh, following us and doing what uh, we tell you. And here you go. It's the age of Aquarius. Not. (laughs) As we can see. (laughs) The exact opposite is happening. There is a power grab. There is, uh, you know, this, you know, let's, uh, let's make a, you know, let's, you know, let's create a, you know, a pandemic. Let's create a virus, uh, you know, and then let's create a bunch of drugs to, you know, kill the virus. And then let's get everybody, you know, you know, to in lockdown and destroy the economy, uh, to where they are totally dependent upon government handouts, uh, you know, and us, we are the government linked together with, uh, the corporations, uh, you know, in order, you know, to just like, you know, basically control the world. So it's a world takeover happening, uh, you know, and which is like, it's the final, I think, last dying, gasping breaths <laughs> of these patriarchs that, uh, you know, uh, we incarnated to uh, topple. So. Yay. I mean, uh, I did a whole video uh, uh, last week on uh, the astrology of 2022. Uh, That's, you know, that's coming out. And what else? The other reason I'm not running around is I got so much going on, man. Where I'm releasing a calendar. Uh, I did the What is Love book. I'm doing a What is Love calendar. (laughs) That's coming out. I have to go to the dentist today. That's another Saturn Capricorn thing. Uh, yeah. So anyway, where was I? Getting stripped. Okay. This is, you know, Venus Pluto getting stripped. We're, we, 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 internally and externally, I think we will also be seeing a lot more revealed, particularly now Mars. Okay. Moving into Sagittarius, honesty, truth, radical, honesty, radical truth with, with Venus Pluto. In Capricorn, Jupiter, okay, you know, coming around, you know, you know, through uh, the final degrees of, of Aquarius, I think some of uh, there's going to be, uh, like I've said before, revelation upon revelation upon revelation. This is a time of awakening, and it's a rude awakening for so very many of us, uh, you know, and uh, but it is an awakening nonetheless. Yeah. 
And so uh, during this awakening, and, uh, you know, what I kind of really wanted to point out, and this is what is so beautiful, I want to read to you the Sabian symbol for this Venus-Pluto conjunction because it's so beautiful and it's so profound. And, I, I, and, and it also has to do with this mantra for today. And I just thought about it, you know, life, life and evolution occurs in cycles. Winter, spring, summer, fall, back to winter. I pointed out those trees. The leaves fall from the trees. The pine cones fall from the trees. The fruit falls from the trees. Now, do the leaves, does the fruit blame the tree? You let me go. You let me down. You're not holding me. You're not supporting me anymore. I hate you, tree. Does the tree blame the fruit? Does the tree blame the leaves? You've abandoned me. You've left me. I was, you know, I was counting on you for photosynthesis. And and I gave birth to you, fruit. I gave birth to you, pine cone. Where are you going? I hate you, pine cone. I hate you, leaves. No. No. So the other no. side, the, the, you know, the downside of this Capricorn, Sagittarius, Jupiter, Saturn, you know, uh, ego consciousness, uh, everyday third dimensional uh, consciousness reality has to do with blame, finger pointing. Okay, you know, uh, holding so and so, you know, you, it's your fault. You're doing it. What we want to do, okay, as kind of liberated or whatever, you know, we want to also, you know, uh, uh, remain as awakened, as objective, as compassionate, as understanding as possible. And, uh, I mean, of course, my idol is Gandhi. Okay, you know, it was a, a non-violent revolution. It was through civil disobedience. It was not with guns and not with violence and not with uh, harsh uh, name-calling and blah, 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 blah. That India was liberated from British control. Yeah. So there are ways of, 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 of you know, correcting course of, you know, modifying uh, you know, human uh, behavior that is um, in alignment with, uh, you know, spiritual evolution. And part of it is, like I say, the inward journey. It's, it's, it's doing our own. I did a, I just did a yoga. Uh, well, I did a meditation. I could put a yoga, a kriya out there, but I did do this meditation uh, for the eclipse last week. I don't know if you saw that or not. A pitiful few number of views <laughs> on the <laughs> on the meditation compared to the Bailey report. It's kind of interesting. But anyway, I'm going to read to you now the Sabian symbol, uh, you know, for this degree, because it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's Capricorn, the 26th degree of Capricorn. 
where uh, Venus uh, is conjunct with Pluto for, uh, you know, this entire, uh, this entire week. A nature spirit dancing in the iridescent mist of a waterfall. The ability to perceive the hidden and creative spirit of natural phenomena. The Sabian symbols make several references to nature spirits. Here we are dealing with the revelation of the spiritual or psychic forces related to the element water. Water binds all living cells in a wholesome interplay. It symbolizes the constant flow of vital energies, the fluidity of a consciousness which finds itself stimulated by change. The great cycle of water within the Earth's biosphere, oceans, clouds, rain, river, symbolizes the basic phases of universal life processes. The ascent and descent of emotional energies and of love. We can personify these phases and speak of the soul of nature and at a cosmic level of the world soul, anima mundi. Water is the substance of the telluric manifestations of this soul. It is a magical substance and modern chemists like uh, Dr. Uh, Emoto yeah, are rediscovering in their study of its unusual behavior in certain situations what old alchemists in their own way no doubt understood. This presents us with a deep intuition of super physical energies which at the end of this fivefold sequence we will see fully mastered. The consciousness here becomes sensitized to the downward flow of occult energy in its bountiful natural aspect. I think I mentioned this before on my last uh, medicine journey. We really did a whole blessing of the water Sun square Neptune right now, uh, you know, can really bring in this psychic occult understanding and sense of this invisible etheric energy that is mostly having to do with the liquids and with water. And we can also uh, look at uh, the blood. Yes, the, you know, the blood and the air. And just look at this whole energy that's happening with airborne viruses that come in, but they end up affecting the oxygen in the blood and the air and the oxygen and the prana, you know, all has to do so much, okay, with spirit. Saturn moving through Aquarius, Jupiter moving through Aquarius. This is the, uh, you know, the atmosphere. Aquarius has to do with the atmosphere. Here's our atmosphere. <laughs> our virtual atmosphere. I'm coming to you from today. 
Anyway, let's wrap it up. What I want to just, you know, really look at is this cycle of water, you know, that is eternal and it is invisible because the water evaporates, becomes invisible spirit, becomes occult, hidden, gathers as clouds, the etheric realm. They say that the Christ will return in the etheric realm in the clouds. And then those clouds rain. We get physical water. The water goes down into the rivers, the streams, back to the ocean, and evaporates up out of the ocean again. We're drinking the same water that was here millions of years ago. Every time you have a sip of water, a drink of water, you are connecting yourself with the entire history, the occult, hidden, secret mysteries, the whole history of Gaia. So this is a very powerful, powerful time. And we want to understand that we can, we can really go inward and we can do a lot of inward transformation as well as, you know, and hopefully we don't get distracted by the Pluto polarity point is in cancer. The evolutionary path is in cancer. Going inward is really a powerful path of growth right now. And so this week's mantra, I am a work in progress, as is the rest of the world. As disappointed as I can get, I will continue to work for the good. This is the perseverance. This is the endurance. This is probably the best ultimate commitment that Saturn and Capricorn can make. A commitment to just continue to strive and work for the good. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it comes you know, sometimes, you know, there's, there's losses and gains and you win and you lose and there's comings and goings and there's spring and there's fall and <laughs> there's rain and there's shine. But yeah, th- th- this is the you know, spiritual work that we have cut out for us. And all through 2022, and, and the seeds are being sown right now with Venus moving through Capricorn for four months and joining together with Pluto to begin a new cycle. There's a couple of things that we could change in this mantra, and you can, you can maybe play around with it a little bit. One is, um, I, as disappointed as I am, I will continue to work for the good. Or as, con- uh, or, you know, as disappointed as I can get. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling disappointed, then you can go, well, as disappointed as I am. <laughs> if you're not disappointed yet, <laughs> you can talk about as disappointed as I uh, can get. <laughs> and the other one is, um, I, you know, I will continue to work for the good. Can also be, I can continue to look for the good. So if we're getting overly stimulated with negative news and bad information and misinformation and 
you know, holiday times, having, you know, uh, upsetting conversations with family members or whatever, you know, I will continue to look for the good in this person. I will continue to look for the good in myself. I will continue to look for the good in this situation, whatever, uh, you know, so not only can we work for the good, but we can also look for the good. So again, uh, uh, modify, uh, you know, feel free to modify and repeat this mantra. I don't know if you even do. Uh, the idea of a mantra is that you repeat it over and over and over again. And, you know, you know write it on the mirror or something or whatever. I mean, I, I say these mantras to myself, you know, through the week, you know, over and over. This is the energy. It's, uh, yeah, I, I write them to make them helpful to navigate through the, the planetary energies, you know, the psychic spiritual energies that are happening right now. So anyway. Okay. I am a work in progress. As is the rest of the world. As disappointed as I can get. I will continue to work for the good. That is what I want to leave you with today. Namaste. Aloha. So much love.
a rather complicated full moon structure here with a T-square centered on Neptune and a 30, uh, a 60-120 uh, triangle with Jupiter. So both Neptune and Jupiter are intimately tied to the full moon. Mercury will be all the way up to 9 Capricorn by next weekend. And of course, the uh, Venus will not be retrograde next Saturday night, but probably within just a few hours of next Saturday night, Neptune will go retrograde. So that's it. And I wish you all a great week. Uh, it's been weird weather over here in the, in the east. Uh, it was 61 yesterday afternoon and raining and foggy all day. And it got up to 65 today and remained raining and foggy. And the power went out for two and a half hours. Anyway, <laughs> that's my, that's my condition here. Power's back on, the wood stove is simmering, and we're warm and toasty, and all the best to everybody. Talk to you next week. Oh, okay, Richard. Here we go. And we will celebrate that. Oh yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting week ahead. Mm-hmm. With all the, all the situations going on around the planet. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, over and out. Namaste. Okay. Namaste. Okay, let's do our sister here. Hello there, it's Tanya Gabrielle Wealth, astrologist. Welcome to Star Codes where every week we look at an important event in the stars, in the numbers, and receive insights on how to digest, assimilate, and learn and heal from the incredible cosmic events in play right now. And this week we're going to cover the Gemini full moon with the sun in Sagittarius, happening on December 18th and 19th. So it'll be the 18th in the Americas. It'll be 11.35 p.m. Eastern and 8.35 p.m. Pacific on the 18th of December. And then universal time, this Gemini full moon happens on December 19th at 4.35 a.m. That would be London. So you don't have to be a Gemini or a Sagittarius to benefit from this forecast. Somewhere in your astrology birth chart, this full moon is taking place with the sun at 27 degrees Sagittarius and the moon at 27 degrees in Gemini. Now, Gemini is the sign of communication, of the messenger. Mercury is called the winged messenger by the ancient Greeks. And Gemini covers facts and anything that's practical knowledge, media, communication, words, the lower mind that translates how to navigate life on earth. And since Gemini is ruled by Mercury and governs motion and activity and 
the ability to communicate and connect with others, writing, speaking, you'll be asked during this time to look at how you assimilate information, assimilate ideas, and connect with others through conversation. So the way you use language, for example, will really be highlighted. And Gemini is always filled with curiosity. Gemini wants to explore. And with Gemini, which represents the twins, you're invited to experience two sides of the same coin. So not losing sense of the whole while embracing both the feminine and masculine, the yin and yang. So not feeling separate and closing one off in favor of the other, which creates an imbalance. And that's when you transcend duality, which our life, of course, on earth has duality everywhere, right? We have light and dark, left and right, on and on and on. But Gemini is one of those signs that helps us to acknowledge the duality through the twins and then transcend it. So when we engage in any vibration, we use both our masculine and feminine states of being because when you align with a vibration, you activate a pulse, you activate a frequency. And when you activate that frequency, meaning you take action, you are in a masculine state. Then you move into a feminine state where you observe through observation how your action is bringing feedback to you. So you observe, you, and Gemini is all about observation, right? Observing closely and you're using Mercury to do that, right? So the ruling planet of Gemini is helping you recognize that inner push and pull of the feminine and masculine working together. And we'll go more into that in a moment. First, Mercury rules this full moon. The sun is in Sagittarius, so Jupiter rules the sun part of the full moon. And Sagittarius is the archer. It governs truth, wisdom, law and justice, expansion, joy, feeling optimistic, taking advantage of opportunity, expanding your reach, going beyond the horizon. So this is a very important full moon because it's the final lunation of 2021 and it happens at 27 degrees Sagittarius where the sun will be and 27 degrees Gemini, of course, but 27 degrees Sagittarius is a very important point because the galactic center, which is between around 24 and 27 Sag, is activated. And galactic center is the point around which our whole Milky Way galaxy turns. So it's like this massive vortex in the middle of the galaxy and it's spinning and it is associated or directed towards 27 or 24 to 27 degrees Sagittarius. So this is a very important moment because it's like we're pointing directly to the center of a massive black hole, which is the womb of our Milky Way galaxy. And black holes are just energy vortexes. So again, we're dealing with energy. They're bursting with massive potential, massive power, massive creation. And 
you know, there's so much going on during this full moon. For example, speaking of power, we have Venus stationing retrograde on December 19th. So right during this full moon, while Venus is merged, conjunct Pluto and Pluto governs power and disempowerment or empowerment. Right. So this is a big theme around this time. The other big transit is that the moon will be trying to Jupiter. This is so beautiful, so gorgeous. Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius where the sun is during this full moon. So we have this incredibly positive, fortunate energy that is asking us to explore and move out of bounds, right? Just like Pluto explores the truth and the truth sets you free and that empowers you, Jupiter wants to just explore beyond horizons. And so that's why it governs long distance travel. So this gorgeous triangle with the moon, the trine with the moon, the sextile with the sun creates this triangle of incredible celebration, gratitude, joy. And it's lovely timing because it happens literally right before our holidays begin for a lot of us. So it's expanding that ability to communicate in a joyful way, to be grateful for everyone and everything in your life, and to focus in a very high vibrational way, in in an optimistic way, on what you're communicating. So making sure that it's high vibrational. And if you don't have anything high vibrational to share, to not share anything at all. Keep it to yourself because Jupiter will expand it and Pluto will dive straight to the core of the essence of the matter. Now, when Pluto and Venus come together, this conjunction, while Venus is stationing retrograde, I mean, Venus is basically at a standstill during this conjunction. So Venus is basically conjunct Pluto throughout December. And so this is a very powerful moment because There is a quincunx, meaning the moon will be 150 degrees pointing to Pluto and Venus. And this is important because it it brings to light how pleasure and passion, pleasure and passion are going to be big themes. Like, are you feeling pleasure in your life? Are you feeling consistent, passionate engagement in your life. Venus's presence is about beauty. And Venus loves for you to explore sensuality that gives you pleasure. And Venus governs abundance and financial flow. And Pluto being about power and passion, when they come together, especially while Venus is Stationing. So when a planet stations, meaning they're ch- it's changing direction, it's at its most powerful. So this is really going to ramp up how we feel and really being honest about that as well. And Jupiter is the planet that really governs being honest, right? Jupiter is about integrity. And so this is a very big moment, not just for us personally, but for humanity in general. There could be things that come to light in a big way regarding those in power or those who are uh, financially uh, engaged in some way. So there could be news about 
just anything that has to do with power, with finances, with pleasure, with sexuality, because Pluto is the ruler of Scorpio, governs sexuality. And when we consider that December in 2021 is an eight universal month, which is the number of leadership and power and courage, there's just a really intense vortex of energy, just like the galactic center that's being pointed to by the 27 degrees Sagittarius sun during this full moon. There's this vortex of very deep, passionate energy that's being activated. Now, there are two aspects that involve Mercury, and those are important during this full moon because Mercury rules Gemini. And Mercury is square to Chiron, and Mercury is trying to Uranus. Now, the square to Chiron really, it activates an urge to make a difference in the world. So you want to take that nervous energy, again, of exploration to express something healing instead. So through your words, through your writing, you can let go of frustration and overwhelm, and you can put this energy to use by making a difference in some way. So it's an invitation to take control of situations that could be anxiety-inducing and instead make a powerful choice to use your intuition, which is very activated by this square, and transmute that any stress that you feel, any challenges into divine guidance. And it will be the the most high vibrational way of expressing this square with Mercury. Now, the other transit that Mercury makes is trying to Uranus, and this is the higher and lower mind, Mercury the lower, Uranus the higher mind, coming together in a gorgeous trine. So this gives us incredible powers of intuition, observation, clarity. You just have a wonderful mental energy, intuitive energy. It speeds up your ability to speak, to communicate, to think, to accept new ideas. It's very, very exciting. And it opens you up. And it allows you to explore energy that is galactic and make it practical. So the intuition becoming really realistic and practical. It's wonderful, wonderful energy. And then Mars is trying to Chiron at this time as well. So this very much heals and invigorates. Mars brings energy. Chiron brings healing. And Mars is in Sagittarius at this point. Mars loves being in Sagittarius. It's a fire sign and Mars is a fire planet. So this is very good for energy, um, just allowing yourself to feel positive energy flow. There's a natural courageousness when Mars goes into this fire sign of Sagittarius. Remember that the sun is in Sagittarius pointing at galactic center. There's so much going on that's tying this all together in a very positive way. So Mars is taking the initiative, initiative in, in, so Mars is taking the initiative in Sagittarius, trying to Chiron, which taps into your natural ability to heal yourself. And then on December 24th, a few days after the full moon, Saturn will be square to Uranus. And this is a very important moment. It's the final exact square between these two planets, though they will be in close proximity to each other throughout 2022, especially in September and October of next year. But so we will con- continue to explore that theme of Saturn square Uranus, but it's coming together on Christmas Eve, the 24th. And what it is bringing into the forefront is looking at our boundaries and freedom, right? This is about 
responsibility and liberation. So sometimes it feels like these two frequencies are at odds with each other. Like how can we have boundaries and feel free? Well, it's a balance. We need to not feel like there is no order whatsoever. There is divine order. At the same time, we can't be held back from having freedom to express ourselves. So it's a very interesting time when we are pursuing what allows us to feel liberated, to feel joyful, to let joy be our guide in all things, to have a meditative grounding practice, which is Saturn, to ground the energy that calms this inner tension with the square. And this is really the time to merge freedom with responsibility. So being responsible for feeling free. And you can harmonize these two so you don't have this internal tension. This is really important because it's the third meeting of the two planets, the final one, even though they're coming close to each other next year, this is exactitude. So the universe is setting up situations that allow you to explore these themes. And the universe actually will bring you the form that will allow you to have the greatest soul growth and be of the greatest service. And that goes for every situation in your life. So if something isn't showing up in a form that you're looking for, that you would like to have happen, then trust that the universe is supporting you. Trust is a big part of the sun in Sagittarius. Trust the universe is supporting you, even though it may not seem so at the time. It could just be that you need to make some tweaks, right? Or maybe vibrationally, you may be asking for something that is very high and you're not a vibrational match yet. So it doesn't mean you won't be. It's just right now. So the energy that you are emitting, the vibration you pulse out, that is getting reflected back to you. And this is again going to the twins, the feminine and masculine state of being. So Gemini is helping you to observe what is being reflected back, really being that eagle-eyed observer, right? So the observation itself is you're receiving something, you're receiving info back. You are able to course correct based on what you're observing. And in observing what is showing up in your life, you then notice, well, this is the frequency I was asking for. And now you have to step out and you've got to connect. You've got to welcome. You've got to greet that frequency. That's the masculine and it's the acting on it, right? So if you then ask for something like a new job or a different position in your work or going out with someone or a new opportunity, you have to, when that opportunity shows up at your doorstep, accept the invitation. So this is really the dance between the divine feminine and sacred masculine that is very much in play right now. And you're constantly going through this cycle throughout the day. So keep in mind, if you're too much on one side of this cycle, meaning too feminine and too masculine, then the cycle stops or it gets stuck and then frustration arises. So being too feminine would mean you're fantasizing about something 
but you're actually not willing to commit to it. Being too masculine is that you're not in the divine flow. You're not observing. So both are going to be challenging if you are not balanced in that way. So it's important always to come back to the midpoint, the still point, and reset the energy. And that's why the 27 degrees sun pointing at galactic center is a reset. It's a reset of energy, and it's extremely powerful. And 27 degrees to begin with in numerology it is, I call it the Gandhi number because it represents wise, compassionate leadership. So it literally is about unconditional love, letting go all the time. So it is about that flow. The 27 degrees where the sun and the moon are and the sun pointing to galactic center is literally that reset that brings us back to the midpoint, the still point. It, it resets the energy. It's a, it's a, symbol of that to remind us to do that throughout the day to reset and never judge ourselves because we can always reset energy we don't want to blame judge feel guilty right we don't want to go there because that is a waste of of energy it's it it doesn't help anything right so with every breath you take you are resetting your vibration and so now with Jupiter trying to the moon and sextile to the sun, you're exploring energy. You're in particular exploring joy. And as you ex explore your reality, remember that reality is not static. It is fluid. So you can actually course correct at any time. And that's pressing the reset button. So if you take a step and you're unsure, right, about this step that you just took, then you want to recreate that and explore it more deeply. And then you'll either relish taking that step because you really explored it, or you'll notice that it wasn't quite what you're looking for, and at which point you take a new step and you make a change. And that change changes your beliefs about the experience that you just had. But that's because you're pressing the reset button and not judging not going back and saying, I shouldn't have done that, or that was a mistake. No, you just change the part of what you want to create for yourself. And you always know that life is an exploration. You are an intrepid explorer. That's why you're here on earth. And you're just exploring different frequencies. You're not judging what you're exploring. There's no right or wrong frequency. There's just the act of exploring itself. Gemini loves to explore. Sagittarius loves to explore. So, you know, Gemini actually governs short distance travel and Sagittarius where the sun is governs long distance travel. So they are, you know, they're, they're signs that are mutable. They govern movement. They're not fixed. They're not sitting still. So what you may perceive as a failure is when the expectation of the moment doesn't match your actual vibrational experience. That's what we call a failure, right? So we have expectations that don't match the vibrational experience that we're having. So you never really fail. It's just that having the expectation is causing you those issues. So let go of the expectation. The expectation itself is only based on the past. It's not being present. So your experience of the moment will never match an expectation. It can't because 
the expectation was created before the experience. So you need to let it go, right? Let go of the attachment to what you want to create. Simply work with the frequency of what you want to create instead of the, the form that you want it to take. This is really the key. The frequency meaning joyful experience, abundance, love, peace. The frequency is the key. That's the music. That's what you tune your instrument to. You can't plan ahead how you're going to sound, how you're going to sing. You can just tune your instrument, find the frequency. So this is what is creating this expansive exploration, this experience of joy. And that's what Jupiter is bringing with this gorgeous trine to the moon, Jupiter, the ruler of Sagittarius, opposite Gemini. And so you want to now explore every experience that you have with expansiveness, with an open heart, with joy, and just let go of your expectations of what it should be, could be. All of that is now over. We are moving into a new way of life without expectation. It is just free, right? We are not judging. We're not comparing, competing. So this is the new world we're moving into. So the sun-facing galactic center, press that reset button in your life. Remember to do that. Enjoy this gorgeous, gorgeous full moon. And remember, you have a star code as well. When you were born, that very moment set off an incredible set of frequencies that describe who you are. That is your star code. You have your destiny number, your life purpose. You have your birthday, your birth name, your astrology code, and you can discover your birth code in a free masterclass that I created for you at starcodeclass.com. If you haven't watched it yet, go now and have a look at it because not only will you understand your own code, your own frequencies, but those of others, your talents, your gifts. And this way you won't judge people because everybody is unique. Everybody has their own way of expressing joy. So I hope you enjoy that free masterclass at starcodeclass.com. Have a beautiful week, a beautiful full moon in Gemini. And I'll see you in next week's Star Codes podcast. Bye-bye for now. Okay, everybody, we squeezed it in. So Rama's going to give us the phone number so we can have a little chat on our conference call. 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353-863-POUND. Okay, everybody. And then when we are... Um, engage there uh, for an hour. Then we'll come right back here to BBS Radio Station 2 at the top of the following hour. And we will discuss matters of state in between there. And then we're going to do a little bit of sharing with wonderful things that our sister Caroline shared with us and Robin 
what was it? Uh, Diane Robbins had a wonderful piece. Mm. And uh, music it shall be again tonight. Oh my God. I'm looking at Andre Bocelli in Central Park and this is from back in 2011. I just, I think that's going to be what we're going to play. Yes. All right. So namaste. See you at the conference and right back here at BBS radio. What a wonderful life. <laughs> Yay. BS, BBS radio. Namaste, everybody. See you on the conference. Thank you, Rama. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think I'm going to read um, Caroline's message now. And then uh, we decided just to play Matthias. Uh, and he's talking about evolving beyond survival. Uh, we're all growling while Penny's telling us about what they're doing uh, in this exactly the opposite direction. <sighs> so here we go. Today's message, a message to Lightbringers, December 10th which came out yesterday. Today's message is an excerpt from the collective's new book, New Earth Journeys. The collective speak on dealing with personal and global crises. The book releases on Amazon Tuesday the 21st. Okay, so that's right before Christmas. Tuesday. Okay, so 22nd is Wednesday, 23rd is Thursday, 24th is Friday. So I'm, yes, uh, we will be doing Friday, right, Rama? Mm-hmm. Maybe we won't be doing Thursday. We'll do a replay on Thursday. Yeah. Because that's, um, no, wait a minute. 21st is Tuesday, the 22nd is Wednesday, the 23rd is Thursday, the 20, oh no, we have Thursday, that's right, that's just the day before Christmas Eve, the 24th yeah. is Christmas Eve, we can do that, yeah. and the 25th, which is Saturday, is Christmas Day, we can do that too, mm-hmm. yes we can, right Tigger? <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. So we'll just do all of them. Okay. So um, as with all collective books, each cap- chapter begins with a question from light bringers around the world. This excerpt is from Chapter 2 on moving from fear to love. How can we balance the duality polarity within us? so that the outer world can also be balanced. I feel as though I am on a giant pendulum, Mm -hmm. swinging wildly from love to fear, with no relief in sight. That's the question. 
but collective answers. Your question addresses several areas at once. So, we will speak first on why you are feeling these these swings from one extreme to the other. Then speak on how one can deal with the energetic surges running through our energy systems. These surges relate to our physical and spiritual bodies, our mental outlook, our emotional balance, our way of viewing the world so that as we are in a state of love for the world or anyone, we are in a relaxed state of knowing that all is well. That whatever the outcome of life's circumstances, which are in constant, unpredictable flux now, you can relax, relax in the inner knowing that all is working out for the higher good of everyone on the planet. And of course, that is quite a statement to make, particularly now. You see, so many leaving physical form now to revert to their true form. Melissa was saying that this doctor on uh, Dr. Her- Herndon, Dr. Dean Herndon, um, uh, what was that? It was on the night show. What's that night show, Rama? No, no. The one that Melissa was listening to. Oh, George Nury. George Nury, yeah. AM what? Coast to coast. Coast to coast, right. He was just saying that 20% of the population was just going to die that got the jab. And... uh Um, it's not biodegradable at the point that we're at. Yet, um, Randy was saying it's got to do with our attitudes too, that as we surrender to a higher level of conscious awareness, um, uh, we can actually transmute energies. Mm-hmm. Right, Emma? Yes. Yes, and uh, Mr. Cash has also made it quite clear that um, he's working on it, that uh, despite the fact that these ra- uh, razor blades are not at the atomic structural level, not biodegradable, again, um There's a difficulty because Randy was saying that every single batch is different. Uh, And I'm sure that was planned too, to make it impossible, you know, just to make it, you know, so that uh, how do you do this? You know, how do you do this? And I'm just going to say that there is a, there's always a solution to every question 
and again it has to do with transmutation has to do with higher conscious awareness and I got to go back to what Cryon was saying today through Lee Carroll he was saying that we've already crossed over that bridge to a higher level of conscious awareness for the whole of humanity and there is no way to go backwards no turning back so moving forward with an attitude of gratitude and yes we'd like to you know serve them up on a dinner plate you know get your fork and your bib and your bowl as mother always says <laughs> but she doesn't really do it that way does she no it's about transmuting energy back to living love living light that's what this is so we'll we'll stick with that one right drama <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> uh. All right, so let's continue with our sister Caroline's uh, and the collective's uh, response here. Um, After all, gristle doesn't taste really good. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so um, your question addresses several areas at once, so we will speak first to the why. <laughs> why are you are feeling these swings from the extreme to the, one extreme to the other. Then speak to how one can deal with the energetic surges running through your energy systems. These surges relate to the, to your physical and spiritual bodies, your mental outlook, your emotional balance, your way of viewing the world so that you, as you are in a state of love for the world, or anyone you are in a relaxed state of knowing that all is well that whatever the outcome of life's circumstances which are in constant unpredictable flux now you can relax relax in the inner knowing that all is working out for the higher good of everyone on the planet of course that is quite a statement to make, particularly now. You see so many leaving physical form now to revert to their true form. That form is still a kind of body, yet a far higher vibrational one that you have witnessed here on Earth for millennia. You see the earth herself going through more shifts and changes than anyone could list, with both natural and manufactured disasters occurring. And we mixed that pot really good and got tornadoes here. And just that one candle-making place in Kentucky, Mayfield, Kentucky, they were only able to rescue 40 out of 110 workers that were working that night, last night. For the highest good of all concern, and that's just one place, and there's, there's, they made a statement, a definitive statement just a short moment ago that it's definitely sure that at least 100 people have passed now, for sure. Uh, 
missing in action, whatever else. So, huh. <sighs> Patience is a virtue. So, um, and you are, you see bizarre and unprecedented events happening in economics, in politics, in medicine, all areas of life. And so you ask, how do I stay out of fear when my brain and my body are hardwired for survival? They only know to panic when so much is unknown about everyday life. How do I stay calm in the midst of events that humanity has almost always been frightened of? It's all out of control. We want to look at that phrase, out of control, for a moment. Because in actual fact, that is exactly what you came in to create. Goddess of divine chaos, anybody? (laughs) Oh, now. Now that will sound like complete nonsense. An area that only adds to the dramatic swing from love to fear. Yet it encapsulates perfectly what all light bearers are doing. You came to help dissolve the old forms of control over humanity. And these are the forms that have held human beings back from ascending to higher vibrational levels for millennia. I was just going to say where people are not interested in cussing or discussing what we cuss or discuss in terms of the truth. Uh, It's probably very difficult, especially if it's in the closer network of your families yet for the highest good of all concerned um, um, as uh, Crian was saying as Ron's mother says and as our Ayurvedic astrology friend was saying earlier and Kay Pacha and Tanya Leave the negativity alone. We don't need to add anything to that. Just leave it alone and accentuate the positive. And, and, and that works. Again, for the highest good of all concern. We must not judge anything else. What is interesting is that, and, and St. Germain said he would intervene. And he is. All of the above. What is interesting is that during the 50s and 60s, many felt that life was going out of control then, too. Young people were identifying with forms of music that, to older generations, sounded cacophonous, even destructive at times. Yeah, heavy metal, everybody. Randy said you got to take 30 to 40,000 vitamin C's to get heavy metal, metal transmuted out of your body. <laughs> In fact, it was rock and roll that helped. Yes, 
William David, my teacher, said that uh, rock and roll, that kind of music, uh, uh, is responsible for not having a World War III. That's a big deal. As you can perceive this, all these little nuances. In fact, it was rock and roll that helped to to vibrationally usher in an age in which the old power structure could no longer control human thought, feeling, and behavior anywhere near as fully as it had in the past. Relax in the inner knowing that all is working out for the higher good of everyone. You will note that the old controllers then ushered in a drug abuse movement designed to distract young people, engage them in destructive addictions, and hold them back vibrationally. Yet again, the human desire to ascend outran even those attempts. The healing qualities of hemp and cannabis were rediscovered in human life, and a new awareness was born of the addictive nature of many things in human life, and the need to heal those compulsions. And the spiritual journeys brought on by certain psychedelic substances opened for many a form of release from the dark matrix mental programming. Though we do not recommend the use of hallucinogens, we do support those who take on expertly guided shamanic journeys of varying kinds for the purpose of better understanding, understanding, overstanding. The nature and immensity of this universe, as well as the nature and the state of their own soul, you came in to move things from a state of extreme control on the part of your former overlords to a state of freedom for humanity. You are all part of the developing ability in human beings to release the construct and restrictions of the old earth in favor of the freedom, sovereignty, and self-realization of the new earth. Of course, you are concerned at times as you see whole areas of life thrown into chaos and uncertainty. You are correct as you feel that is rooted in lower vibrations. Yet note that in nature, nothing ever dissolves or breaks down and dies. Rather, that something new can be birthed in its stead. This is not death in the sense that you are taught. It is not a loss to be grieved. It is part of the birth process of that which you came in to birth. You who are midwives in the rebirth and ascent of earth consciousness. You have, all of you, requested and required of all of us in the higher realms, including your soul families, to assist you in creating a fully renewed planet, one where the well-being of all is respected, one where notions such as living for profit 
service to self, violence, exploitative power over living beings and earth herself are forever outlawed and dissolved and superseded by the power and presence of divine love. Move away from dense words and images and affirm, quote, that is appearance and appearance only. Divine love is the only reality here. And so we answered by taking up the charge to support those who came to the earth to establish a new realm here. A new earth realm that would honor all life and create via the establishing, establishing of Nazara law a new and far higher level of existence in accordance with universal law rather than a blatant violation of it. Yet it is not by our action that life feels to be out of control, swinging wildly from love to fear and back again. That is your action, your decision to break free from the new, now defunct paradigm of a prison planet. You can mitigate your emotional extremes by deciding now that whenever your vibration dips, turn the page, excuse me, whenever it dips, there we go, down a bit, you will realize what is happening and stop. You will take a moment to consciously release panic or upset by breathing through these emotions, allowing them, feeling them fully, thanking yourselves for experiencing such and breathing them out full of self-compassion without judgment. In that moment of stillness, you are then able to move to a place of rest and quiet in which you do not demand answers or solutions. You are then able to allow your energies to move into more neutral stance where you simply observe your, your thoughts and emotional vibrations till you are able to flow your energies back up to the higher levels, reclaiming your power in that part of life. You might also trace that downward spiral to the influence that reduced your vibration. You might be watching the news, for example, something we encourage you to do very little of now. So little of it, is reliable information and it is generally offered with a low and dense vibration. Difficult scenes and stories accompanied by emotionally triggering terms and descriptions can displace one emotionally. Many of you have experienced similar situations in other lives to which you now see, to which you see happening on the earth now, whether flood, fire, epidemic, or mass extermination. So, to view any of these again, it is to 
re-traumatize those parts of your heart mind that remember quite well what it was like to experience those situations firsthand. There are no accidents, no victims, and no true losses. Yet we would say, in what moment, in, in that moment, bring up and release the old grief or shock. These are moments to realize what you have yet to heal. As you are able to feel your helplessness, your grief, or anger without going into overwhelm. Bring them up fully. Then declare your divinity, your I am power, and call all lost energies back into your being. Regarding all dense words and images, declare, quote, that is appearance and appearance only. Divine love is the only reality here. We wish we could tell you the power of that one thought, dear ones. It is unprecedented in scope and masterful in effect. In that moment, you not only free yourself and millions of others from media manipulation intended to lower your vibration and to keep you entrained to the sound of the new, new casters. There's no S in there. It just says new casters. Voices and their false presumed authority. You also help free those who are being affected by that particular disaster, no matter how deeply embedded in it. Better go see what's going on. What was that? Oh, you got to get some cat grass. <laughs> Maybe move that pot, pottery pot, away from the edge there. Maybe put it somewhere else. Yeah, put it in the kitchen. Yeah. Okay, kitties. Up to whatever they can be up to. So where were we? Um, regarding all dense words and images, declare that is appearance and appearance only. Divine love is the only reality here. We wish we could tell you the power of that one thought, dear ones. It is unprecedented in scope and masterful in effect. In that moment... You not only free yourselves and millions of others from media manipulation intended to lower your vibration and to keep you entrained to the sound of the news, newcasters' voices and their false presumed authority. You also help free those who are being affected by the, that particular disaster, no matter how deeply embedded in it they may seem to be. You may wonder, how in the world could that be so? Those people are suffering, aren't they? 
and we would say, you lift them out of suffering with the empowering thought that they are so much bigger than any one thing that could ever happen to them. So much greater than any trauma they could offer, they could suffer. And that they came into experience what is occurring to them now. That there are no accidents, no victims, no true losses. Yes, nothing is ever lost in the universe. No. No. We gotta just, when in doubt, take a, change our perspective. Even those who appear to lose their souls will somehow find their way home again, flowing as pure, unmanifest energy back into the great stream of light and intelligence that runs through all that is. That is what you have knocked out of control. That old system of manipulation which human beings have fallen prey to for millennia. You have helped knock humanity out of the old forms of humiliation, slavery, obedience to false authority, and steady belief, mental entrainment in that which only pretends to be the light. And so it is from the collective through our sister Caroline. Oceana Ryan. All right. So are we going to do that? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Evolving beyond survival. This is our brother, Matthias, everyone. And it says here, in episode 9, host and God. Can you stop it for a second there, right there? Uh, Matthias de Stefano explores how genetic scientists influenced humanity to become symbiotic with Earth a crucial turning point in the evolution of human consciousness for those species that reach to go outside their own planets and inhabit other systems Matthias says they understood that in order to connect with the energy of the spirit they needed to harvest energy in every planet Explaining how our solar system aligns with the, with our chakra system. Matthias describes the power of agriculture through the galaxy and provides a deeper understanding of how planets like Earth can become greenhouses throughout the cosmos. Matthias also details the vital importance of balancing nature through unconditional love. We need to be the main source of our own energy. We need to reach the the gods and the goddesses within. And once we do that, 
we will generate so much energy and harmony that every being in the universe could use our energy and we wouldn't even notice. Here we go, Matthias de Stefano. Who are the world's agricultures? I am your host and guide, Matthias Stefano. In this episode, we will explore how these genetic scientists operate and influence Earth and human evolution. The first time I start to remember the universe, I was 15 years old, and I felt really, really tiny because the universe was so big and I couldn't reach every part of it and I couldn't reach the shape of it, how long it was, how big it was, and and I, it was really difficult to understand where to put all the dimensions, all the stuff, all the matter, vibrations, everything. It was so big that I couldn't understand anything and I had headaches every day trying to understand it until one of my guides from the fifth dimension told me that the only way you can understand the universe is not by looking up and trying to understand how it works, the galaxies and the solar systems, but the way you can measure it and understand it is with the closest reality you could have, and that's your own body. So instead of saying, look into the universe to reach God, he told me, look at yourself as your own God, like holding inside of you a whole universe. And as close as you get to your body, you will see every system working and spinning like galaxies and clusters and black holes and all these structures that are within you can help you to understand how everything works. He said, for the universe, you are like an like an electron spinning around a planet between the polarity of positive and negative. So imagine that every electron in your body is a person living in different planets, a being trying to understand and evolve. The electrons has no idea what is the boundary of your body. They can't see the boundaries. They don't see the organs. They don't see the bones. They don't see your eyes, your shape. They can only feel that they are connected to other beings around, other electrons, other protons and neutrons, and that they are built by other vibrations and frequencies that are within them. So when you understand that you, a person, are an electron spinning around a proton, which is the, the planet, and that that uh, structure is building a molecular structure, which is the solar system, and then the galaxy is a cell, and the cell is a part of an organ, which is a cluster of galaxies, then you can understand that you were always inside of you. And that's the main idea of how the universe works. It takes the tiny part of the universe and just replicates this in the same shape over and over. 
This is the best way you can understand that you are living in a in an organ of the entire system. Everything that you see is just not stars in the skies. They are cells, organs in this body. As everything is just a reflection from the bigger body to the small body, we can relate everything with everything. So to understand, for example, our world, we can understand that every part of the planet has organs as we do. We have our own organs, the chakras that makes the organ work, and we also have continents that are the organs of the planet. But we can also understand that the planet is an organ inside the solar system. For us, the solar system is another living being with a pancreas in the sun, which is the plexus, and then all the other chakras around, like, for example, Venus and Earth being our uterus and kidneys of this system. So that means that we are the sacrum system of this solar system. We are both working to to create life in this system. So we are this part of the body creating the energy so the whole body could survive, could could create a new organ inside the galaxy. And then Mercury and Uranus are the mouth and the third eye of the system, so the mind and the voice of the truth. And then Neptune and Mars would be the systems to make roots in the matter. So that would be like the genitals and the root chakra. Then we have the biggest organ that helps us to to exist, which is Jupiter. And Jupiter for us is the heart. It's not the sun. The sun is what makes us recognize who we are. But the heart of the system that allows life in our planet is the heart chakra, which is Jupiter. Saturn is the crown chakra of this system, but not in the way of enlightenment, but is the the one that helps us to understand the matter, is the one that gives meaning to everything that is surrounding the system. For the body in the universe, the main core is not the crown chakra. The crown chakra is just the one that helps to all the ethereal things to be downloaded into the material realities. So that's why the for for the systems is the plexus the core of everything. So the sun is not enlightened in the crown chakra, it is the plexus that hold everything together. When we try to think about the most important time and moments of human history in this planet, we shouldn't think about what happened with the DNA modification. We are not thinking about aliens coming on this planet. The main transformation that we, we've been through these uh, thousands of years is something that people that study history and people that knows about what happened in the past would agree. And that moment was when the humans 
instead of looking for survival around the planet, they discover agriculture. The moment in which the nomads start to make settlements, when they create the first villages and they design this way of harvesting their own food, was the main moment when the whole civilization, the whole idea of humanity, changed forever. The moment of agriculture, the moment when humans decided and discovered that when they were looking into the sky, they saw how the plants, the minerals, were attached to this movement through solstice and equinox, they discovered the, the keys to make the plants grow, and they discovered by themselves the way they can change the plants, the fruits, the seeds, so they could harvest them, they could storage them, and they could survive through time. Agriculture is, for a civilization, the roots that gives us the energy the amount of vibration that we need from the underworld and that connects us with the power of survivor, the power of living in this planet, the history, everything that connects us to the core of this planet is related to what we eat. Everything that is, that is relating us with the system of this planet is through our food. So when we were able to control our own food, that moment changed our blood forever. That moment changed our DNA and makes hum make humans to be aware of the power that they had to transform all the realities. For every civilization, when they discover agriculture, it means that we are now able to understand that we can control everything from us. But agriculture is not something that is only here in this planet. Agriculture is something that goes into all the material reality of the, of the third dimension and that touches everything that creates energy to feed the being. As farther you go in the galaxy, you will need more and more energy to hold this system. So for us, Every one of us in our houses, in our villages, in our countries would try to, to work with agriculture, to storage all these seeds, to create our own food. But for those species that reach to go outside their own planets and they start to leave, to inhabit other planets and other systems and even constellations, they understood that in order to bring that energy, to connect with the energy of the spirit, they needed to harvest energy in every planet. And that is how the agricultures of the worlds appear. The shape of these beings were really big, like twice our bodies, and they had like a human shape, but with the head of an ant this head like the shape of a heart and big eyes like ants but with the mouth of a human. They have these shiny colors 
that change according to the rays of sun, and bodies were like the skin of, of a fish. And this organization goes through all other systems and galaxies that flies in this kind of machines with the shape of a lotus, like like many leaves that moves around and they close like a lotus and they open like a lotus and they keep this information of every species in those chambers that are like flowers and they bring this information to each one of the of the planets and they bring to the main storage information in Orion. They try to seed every seed of genetics in every conscious planet in different planets so they could storage this information and not have it just in one place just in case something happened. They were trying to build these greenhouses in every world so we could we could have different ways to adapt this energy. We have to remember that for them, the universe is not called like God. It's called the tree. We also have in our cultures these names of the tree of life, the tree of the universe, the sephirot. They are all the codes to understand how the universe works like a tree and every planet is like a fruit in this tree. So for them, God is the main tree, the white tree. And this white tree has many planets that are the fruits of this tree. So what they do is to harvest the seeds and storage the seeds in different greenhouses so they could then look for that information and take it from this planet and seed other planets so the information never is lost. I had the opportunity to be part of this organization when I was living in a planet close by what is now called Regal in Orion's portal. The constellation of Orion has a lot of beings and one of the organizations that they had were the world's agricultures. I was part of one of those species that were working with the agricultures. And what we used to do was to seek for worlds in, in process of evolution so we could say to all of them uh, where to go and which DNAs we have to pick. So the main agricultures would bring this information to our planets and they would see these cells, these, these main materials, like in a holographic lab where they could see the cell so big and they could open the cell in this hologram and by vibration with some tools in their fingers, with vibration, they would reorganize the patterns of the DNA so it could be balanced to the information of our worlds. We did these modifications to adapt some other species to different planets. And this worked for us to create a, a vast amount of energy in different worlds. It's terrible to think right now how the agricultures of the galaxy used to see the worlds. But just think about your own fields when you try to, to harvest your own food. When you seed a carrot, lettuce, a tomato, and then you cut it to eat. 
do you think about every one of the cells of these of these vegetables that you are eating? That's the question you have to do to understand how in a bigger spectrum in the galaxy many species works. They cannot even see humans. They see cells. This civilization from where I was part of, we've been trying to reach these planets that could be in the work of, of consciousness so the harvest of this information wouldn't be through the unconscious. If all these worlds that were creating energy were were uh, seated in unconscious worlds, so worlds that were dying, these planets wouldn't be the proper way to connect with the self, with the with the main source of the universe. So that is why we needed to seek for conscious planets that were trying to reach as a way to speak with the universe. That is why Earth is one of those places that started to seek for the mind, for the awareness, for the spirituality. And this is why this planet was was chosen and humanity was chosen to be one of the main engines that creates these seeds for these agricultures to seed all this amount of constant energy around the galaxy. During the process of Orion's war, what I remember was a lot of us, a lot of the agricultures had pointed to Earth saying we need to bring our information and to be ourselves the storage of this information. So a lot of us, many of us, decided to die in these dimensions and be born in this world. So from this world, from being humans, we could harvest our own energy and teach others how to do so. The main thing that many of us were trying to teach in this humanity was to make the seeds of every one of our flowers. And that's why in the in every main culture in history, the main flowers were every one of the chakras that were trying to reach this uh, this energy, this nectar, feeding the energy of ourselves. So if we properly work with enlightenment of our own flowers in our in our body, we would become the seeds to feed not only other species in the galaxy but also the whole universe. Think about your own body. If you don't eat properly, you won't think properly. You need to eat better. You need to eat light in order to reach the mind. So the perfect amount of energy that you that you eat of seeds, fruits, plants will give you all the energy of the sun through photosynthesis that when you eat it, it will, it will become your blood. Through your blood, you will reach the vibration that you need in order to activate every chakra. And when you activate every chakra, all the, all the system, the, the nervous system of your body will work properly. Now imagine that this process that you have in your own body, all these cells that you eat from other animals, plants, stones, everything, every mineral, every vegetable that you eat, they would store that information that you eat and it goes to your system. 
So all this information from the outer, the outer world would feed your inner world. And imagine that those tiny cells are living beings that now are part of your own body, that travel through your whole system, through your own galaxy, and feed with this information and seed this information in your own cells. Now take that image from your own body and project it to the whole galaxy. Imagine the galaxy being a body with with millions, billions, thousands of cells that we call suns and planets, and each one of them has tiny little cells inside of it that creates this energy, this amount of energy that we need to go through all the dimensions of this galactic system. When you have this idea, what you could understand is that every species and every race in our galaxy is related to the cells of each one of our organs. So there will be many species related to the chakras in our heads and other ones in the chakras of of our heart, the plexus chakra. And of course, there will be a lot of them in in the chakras below. These chakras below are the ones harvesting the energy so we could use it to empower the light of the mind. When you see that in that way, you will understand that we are just cells inside another body. So we are not being used by other beings in other dimensions or other worlds harvesting our energy. We are creating energy, not only for us, but for the whole body. If one planet or one system doesn't feed the whole system, it's like one organ in your body dying or creating cancer. If we stop feeding the whole body of the galaxy, then we die too. So the process that we need to learn, what other species were trying to teach us, is how to create our own strength, how to create our own center of power, So that would connect us with God, with the energy of the universe, so we could be eternal. We can create our own energy, and the excess of those energies could feed the rest of the body. So we don't have to think about other beings in the galaxy eating our energy as something bad. We have to think it in a biological way. We have to think that we create energy so the body could keep living. So we are feeding the galaxy with all this energy of survival, with all this energy of creation. That is why we needed the agricultures. The world's agricultures were the beings that were looking for this energy and opening the portals of the energy to feed the system of the whole body. We are the fertile field for some of these species. When I used to see the worlds in evolution and see how we interpreted the the worlds, I could understand that harvesting those worlds was something that helped us to reach the divine, to reach the idea of what we here call God. So this is the same thing that we have to think about our own food. If we are what we eat, we cannot eat something that is in disorder 
we cannot eat something that is distortion. We need to eat it properly and enlighten it so we could feel that light within. And that is why the process of many of the species that decided to transform our societies, the, 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 the goal of them was to help us to enlighten ourselves. Because when we come to be enlightened beings, we are our own source of energy and we feed every species in the universe by consciousness. Suddenly, we don't call that feeding other species. We call that unconditional love. It's just another word to say that we are all together, that we everything that we do changes the reality of the whole system. So for the agricultures of the galaxy, what they tried to do was to make the seeds the better they could, the enlightened they could. So when anyone in the universe would eat or receive the energy from those seeds, they would receive exactly the amount of energy and vibration to enlighten the self. I know there are many people that can feel and can know that there are many beings eating our energy in other levels. In the fourth, in the fifth, and sixth dimension, they, and even in the third dimension, there are some beings that are eating us constantly, constantly, and we are generating all this energy and we don't know how to handle it. And of course, there are some other beings that they don't want us to be balanced because they need the low vibration energy. But as I said, a lot of, ener- uh, of beings in, in the galaxy, they need to reach the main source. And in order to reach the main source of the spirit, they need to eat properly and a high level vibration food. So for us to be that good food, we need also to create our own good food. We need to be the main source of our own energy. We need to reach the God and the goddesses within. And once we do that, we will generate so much energy in harmony that every being in the universe could just use our energy and we won't even notice that. So that's the main point of being the seed of the whole system. Being the seed means that in a tiny body, we have the power to become the trees of the new universe. So inside of us, if we work within of us, we can become those trees where so many beings can live, can thrive. So the goal that we have here is not to protect ourselves from those beings, is to improve ourselves, to become more aware of our potential, of who we are, who we can become, And, of course, that the only tool we have to feed everybody in balance is unconditional love. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I am your host and guide, Matias Estefano. In the next episode, we will discover how the conflict for the power of portals became a problem in our galaxy. Oh, okay. Okay. Ah. So we're going to do what now? Oh, music. Yes.
please enjoy this. this we played this when it first came out. Uh, it was back in 2011. And it's our brothers and sisters, Andre Bricelli and uh, 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 Celine Dion, yes. And Tony Bennett got his two cents in there somewhere. And the beautiful uh, tenor that sang last night, Candy knows his name, uh, he, he, he's been joining in the chorus too. And it's just, it's time for beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful sounds. So where is it now here? Now that I've got all that down, there it is. All right. Uh, no. Um, Rama, yeah. help me find it. Where is it? Uh, oh, that's it. All right. There we go. Okay. Goodness, everybody. Well, um, oh, my goodness is all I can say. Um, Rama, do you want to play this one person here? <sighs> the quantum quilt of reality. Okay. And I will just read a thing here. So while Ram is looking for that, this is from our, our sister Diane Robbins. She said, breaking the deck codes. We did a plenty of a job of that tonight. <laughs> but, um, you are all great warriors carrying the light. You are all remnants of past civilizations who have embodied again at this time to change the course of history. You are here to break the codes of death and aging. You are here to set belief systems on a new spiral, a spiral upward toward immortality, instead of spiraling downward toward death. This is a great breakthrough for humanity, for without this change, humanity on earth would be doomed to continue third dimensional reality. So the part you play is crucial. As you change your belief system, you change the belief system of the critical mass, which in turn will change the codes of death to reflect the codes of immortality as they were originally intended to work. Our DNA was, was and still is originally intended to create immortality, intended to allow us the choice of determining our own lifespans, of determining how long to remain in our current incarnations. 
It was never intended that we live only a few decades and then die in total separation from the Creator. For life is all one. And your lives were meant to reflect the wholeness and oneness of creation. And your lives were meant to be immortal. So that your earthly lifespans would spiral through the decades, bringing you more and more wisdom as you span the course of time. For the longer your earthly lifespans, the more wisdom you garner. And the more evolved you become, shorter lifespans only limit your evolvement and can cause endless incarnations to achieve the same thing. So, we come to you, bringing great hope, bringing you the knowingness that you are all programmed for immortality, bringing you the knowledge that you are immortal beings, playing a great role on planet Earth, and that planet Earth is playing a great role in the cosmos. I am Adama, high priest and ascended master in Telos, a subterranean city beneath Mount Shasta in California. Okay, we're going to jump in here. We got 24-minute piece. You're going to do that, Rama? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. The Quantum Quilt of Reality. Mystery teachings. If you tap on a table or a hard surface in front of you, you might think that it's solid. But when we examine it under a powerful enough microscope, we find that it's actually in a constant state of motion. What if all of this, you, your life, your home, this world, is just a dream that one day you'll wake up from? Perhaps when we're dreaming, we're actually waking up into other realities, which is our true state. I'm reminded of the classic 19th century Masonic nursery rhyme about the boats that were used to build King Solomon's temple that goes, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. We have to ask ourselves, if we spend most of our lives when we're very young and when we grow older, sleeping and dreaming, is this state of dreamless, sleepless wakefulness that you're all in right now any more important? In fact, we know some of our most ancient cultures on the planet, like the Australian Aborigines, actually paint and worship images of their dreams and call it dream time. And of course, our consciousness is the driving force behind all of this. But what is consciousness? We're told traditionally that consciousness is created in the brain. But as we'll discuss later in this episode, consciousness is a non-local awareness. There's a non-locality factor to it that affects how we decode our quantum reality. Your consciousness has layers. You can be aware that you're aware. You can be aware that you're aware that you're aware. 
This is your spark, your laughter, your tears, your hopes and fears. All of it is the driving force of your unique, precious, beautiful existence. One of the hermetic principles we are taught in the Kabbalion is that the all is mine, the universe is mental. This is very similar to what we learn in quantum mechanics from Erwin Schrodinger, who said that the overall number of minds in the universe is one. Time is a subject bubble with the eye in the middle, just like we hear from the Moses story when he's told the name of God is I am that I am, or Echaye in the Hebrew. This individual aspect of us is why many of us are afraid to be alone, but we're also a part of the whole. But we have to ask ourselves then, who is the whole? Outside of the egocentric self, there is a single sovereign entity in the universe we're all a part of. Pythagoras called it the monad. In science, we call this the unified field. Spiritual people have called it the source, the great spirit, or God, which comes from the Germanic gut, meaning good, like God is good. India's Guru Nanak taught us that we are all one and there's one supreme power at the source of life. As it says in the beginning of the Sikh scriptures, or the Mool Mantar, that there is the Ikankar, Ik meaning one, and Ankar meaning God. Essentially, the Vedic writings, the Mundaka Upanishad, teaches us the same thing. We find references to the universal soul in the Bhagavad Gita, despite the Hindu belief of there being countless incarnations of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. We find a similar teaching of one supreme being in Islam when the Prophet Muhammad destroyed the Chaldean idols at Mecca to serve Allah. Akhenaten turned away from the priests of Amun to return to the Aten, or we can look at the biblical version of the story when Moses was given the edicts of the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments, written in stone by the fiery finger of God in the mountains of Sinai, where he's told about one supreme being. Gautama Buddha spoke out against the millions of anthropomorphic gods people blame for their problems in Nepal and to take responsibility for their own actions. Perhaps polytheism or multiple gods were not the problems as such, as they are really just personifications of divine principles in human form. But these were great revolts inspired by a longing for the proper use of universal life principles. No matter what name you call this supreme being or quantum field, it's connected to everything, from the movement of the tiniest insect wings, a blade of grass covered in dew, and all the 10 billion trillion in infinity to the power of infinity different life forms in our universe. But the point of all of this is that if there is a quantum internet in our universe, how are we all connected? We know Nikola Tesla said, my brain is only a receiver. In the universe, there is a core from which we obtain knowledge, strength, inspiration. I've not penetrated into the secrets of this core, but I know it exists. Throughout history, we know there have been various figures who claim to be able to access a quantum field of information. One of those figures was Rudolf Steiner, who in the 19th century developed something known as anthroposophy, where you could tap into this quantum field of information to help with various inventions or agriculture and working with medicine. 
We know this is also true of Walter Russell, who in the early 20th century had the incredible ability to lock himself in a room and be able to learn how to do sculpting or make scientific breakthroughs and write amazing books. We know this is also true of the Indian mathematician Srinivas Ramanujan, who had the theories we now use today for string theory come to him in dreams. And of course, there was Edgar Cayce, the sleeping prophet, who made thousands of accurate medical predictions by laying on his back. But we know it doesn't end there, as we know there have been numerous simultaneous inventions and discoveries made by people at two places at once on our planet. For example, we look at Isaac Newton as he found calculus or with the discoveries of oxygen or the jet engine. Are we looking at a type of quantum entanglement where two minds are entangled? Or is there a field of information going around in the universe that we're always tapping into? But every second you might say you're impregnating reality with your thoughts. We're shifting to an infinite number of parallel realities as you're constantly witnessing the birth and death of universes. This is no different than the mitosis in your body. Every day, over 50 trillion cells are dying and being regenerated. That's over 300 billion a minute. This is like the rising of the phoenix from the ashes. This is the dance of Shiva, the destroyer of worlds. This is the regeneration of the mother octopus who gives up her body for her young octopi to feed off of her in the great simpatico of life. Where does consciousness come into the picture with all of this? Perhaps we get a better idea when we look at the quantum consciousness theory that we get from Sir Roger Penrose, the famed British physicist, and the esteemed Stuart Hameroff, who specializes in anesthesiology over at the University of Arizona and Tucson. They have hypothesized that your consciousness is a field of information that's held together through quantum cohesion or quantum entanglement. And how it works with our brains is that it can be at two places at once with that non-locality factor as that's called superpositioning. This principle is the fundamental basics of space-time geometry and thought to be the property of the very fabric of our universe. What's really fascinating about this is they have theorized that these microtubules in your brain work like a girder system or a micro-internet to be a cockpit for your consciousness. These are so well designed as computational devices that there's organized cellular activity in our brain that acts like quantum computers at this level of atoms and below. According to Stuart Hameroff, when we look at the EEG rhythms or your brain waves, those are derived from deeper level microtubular vibrations. So essentially, in your brain, we have these anharmic vibrations. So with these anharmic vibrations, this is the unique song of your consciousness. This is how in the future, hypothetically, we could triangulate your consciousness, transfer it to elsewhere or locate it, and it will act like your IP address when you want to use it on a quantum communication network. But when we talk about decoding reality, one of the best ways to do that is by looking at a branch of philosophy known as ontology. 
the definition of it is the study of the nature of being, becoming, and existence of reality, as well as the basic categories of being and their relations. So in other words, when we look at one of these matters, we call them an ontological matter. One of the first ideas we get in this philosophy is that each of us is a unique constellation of language and environmental factors, meaning that we all have our own vocabularies, life experiences, and cultural influences that cause us to perceive reality subjectively. The great German existential philosopher Martin Heidegger discusses what he calls the phenomenological aspects of self. He does this in his classic work, Being in Time, where he examined language and how we use it to perceive our sense of self and the reality around us. This is based on two main concepts. One is called the hermeneutical as, which is a word that we often hear amongst biblical scholars, and it talks about how there are so many different personal interpretations of things, and it comes from the word Hermes, versus the apophantical as, which is the reality that we all perceive collectively. An example of this would be that if you walked out into a grocery store parking lot and you saw someone fidgeting with their keys in front of their car, you might think that the person is breaking into their car, but everyone else can agree on one main reality is that there's a guy trying to get into his car. So we all have a different subjective way of interpreting reality. In other words, what is truth to me is not truth to another because we all have a different vehicle of perception. Understanding comes before interpretation. We learn this from a quantum mechanics principle also with the relation of objects is as real as the objects themselves. So really, reality happens through you and not to you. We also know our words have a sacred geometry to them, hence how we can relate the word angle to angel in our esoteric teachings. I'm reminded of Mizuru Emoto's incredible water study where he showed us the power of words, where he could speak to water with words of love and gratitude. And when it would be frozen, the crystals would have this incredible geometrical brilliance and beauty to them. And when he spoke words of hatred or anger to the water, the crystals were asymmetrical. No one can deny that traditions have existed for thousands of years that teach the powerful psychological integration benefits of prayer. But when we examine our ancient religious texts, They're more than just beautiful sounding accounts of historicity. It doesn't matter if you look in the scriptures of the Buddha, the Hindu Upanishads, the Bible, or the Quran. They all emphasize the power of prayer. In recent years, the healing power of prayer was studied by a Catholic scientist named Dr. Bogoslaw, who proved it works by measuring electromagnetic fields around people who are praying using an electroscope. He compared recovery times of patients in hospitals being prayed over versus ones who were not. He was absolutely stunned to discover that the ones who were prayed over recovered faster. This is not unlike what we have seen with epigenetics experts like Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Bruce Lipton, who tell us that your thoughts are literally translated into your DNA and the chemistry that determines what you become. In other words, Energy follows thought, and thoughts become things. If we look at this using quantum principles, 
there's something known as the observable effect with Schrodinger's dictum or the double slit experiment, proving that once again, we are creating our reality. But what more is this reality than a series of neurological and physiological discharges? In fact, each of you watching this has a unique neurophysiology and biodiversity, which means that each of you has a different biological vehicle of perception. Here's how it works. Everything we see in our world is vibrating at various frequencies and interpreted by our brain through our eyes as stimulus. And you could say the divine has a sense of humor because everything you look at is upside down. This is because the front part of your eyes are curved and bend the light, making an upside down image on our retina, which the brain has to turn around. The light travels along your optic nerve as electrical impulses and finds its way to our occipital lobe. This lobe is composed of two visual cortices and connects to the frontal lobe, processing the signal into information, just like you're doing right now while watching this show. But here's the amazing part. Your brain doesn't download the objects around us as strings or even subatomic particles. Instead, it processes these items in our frequency range so they can form vivid pictures in your brain. This is due to the photoreceptors in our pupils, which are limited by your brain to only recognize light vibrations of the electromagnetic spectrum between 390 to 750 nanometers, which is 100 billionth of a meter, just in case you're wondering. However, when we examine wavelengths outside of our visible light spectrum, such as infrared and ultraviolet, there's a whole lot more going on than we ever imagined. And one day we can expect to discover that we are literally surrounded by a vast sea of multidimensional intelligences, astral wildlife, and life forms that feed off of different types of electromagnetic energies. In fact, we are now experimenting with upgrading our eyes by injecting nanoparticles into the eyeballs of rats. And just in case you're wondering what nanoparticles are, these are these little silicon hexagonal structures made of graphene that can be injected into the body. So with these particles going into our eyes, they've been used for night vision experiments, and now they're going to be used to upgrade our vision into the infrared. One of the fathers of quantum mechanics, Niels Bohr, said, Everything we call real is made of things that cannot be regarded as real. But in order to understand this reality, we have to go down to the tiniest minute particles known as atoms. When we examine the atom, we find this electron whizzing around the nucleus. And if we use atom smashers and particle accelerators, we find these funny sounding little things called subatomic particles like quarks, neutrinos, hadrons, leptons. By the time you get down to gluons and bosons, we're told that they're made of pure photonic energy with no mass. And we're told now by some of our theoretical physicists that you could fit an entire galaxy into one of those since atoms are made of mostly blank spaces. That means if our world currently has nearly 8 billion people living on it, we can literally fit them all at the end of our pinky finger. That's just to give you a little perspective on the spatial dynamics of our universe. And atoms get even stranger when we look at harmonics. You know, it takes very little energy to change the vibration of atoms in your body. Harmonics could be dangerous, though. 
especially if we change the atoms in your body so they're not relative to the ground below you. You would literally sink right into the dirt or find yourself in the middle of the earth. This has to do with relativity and spatial momentum or the spin of atoms. Harmonics could also be used to affect or manipulate gravity, allowing us to materialize out of walls or float over the floor or interfere with the subjective reality that we are perceiving. You might say a more subtle way of doing this is with our traditional spiritual practices of how you could change the resonance of a room by burning sage or using certain essential oils, singing bowls, and chanting. Remember, what used to be thought of as the talk of quacks and charlatans with the idea of dimensions and other universes is now the subject of serious scientific inquiry. One theory that has become very popular in recent years is looking at our reality and our universe as a simulation. Many scientists like Nick Bostrom and David Bohm claim we live in a simulation and our universe works like a hologram with subatomic particles. Michael Talbot gives us an example of this in the holographic universe with a story about a man named Tom at a party who was put under hypnosis and told that his daughter Laura was invisible. They held a pocket watch up to her back and he could accurately see through her and read the inscription on the back of the watch. I've witnessed this many times myself practicing clinical hypnotherapy over the years where someone's been told that an object or a person is not in the room and they will walk by them or it as if they're completely oblivious to the situation. What does that tell you about how we decode our reality? So instead of us saying that we live in a binary universe with light and dark matter, is it possible that we have this trinary state? Is there a third invisible antimatter state? Is this what's affecting the spin of atoms? Is this what's affecting the spin that we're told in our chakras of planets? Perhaps our universe is synergistically spinning with other universes. I'm reminded of the theories that Nassim Haramein puts out about the importance of looking at the spin of atoms. And perhaps we can tap into other dimensions by looking at angular momentum or the angle or the way that the atom spins. Another concept that comes into our awareness is that we live in a multiverse. We know now through using something known as the Wilkinson's Microwave Anisotropy Probe, or the WMAP scan for short. It's a lot easier to say that if we look at the radioactive background scan of our universe, we see that there is this circuitous pattern in the background of our universe showing that we've had either multiple, multiple big bangs or multiple expansions to show us that our universe is constantly growing. In fact, now what we believe in our theoretical physics is that we are just a little bubble living in a vast ocean full of universes. Moreover, what's very interesting about this is our scientists tell us that these scans have revealed that our universe is in the shape of a dodecahedron. Now, why is that interesting? Well, Plato tells us in his Tiamias that the cosmos are in the shape of a dodecahedron. And I'd ask you, how did Plato know that? According to theoretical physicist Michio Kaku, in the event that a universe has reached its maturation, 
an advanced civilization would be able to create a baby universe on the surface of our bubble-like universe acting as a lifeboat to transport them to a younger and more vibrant universe. Another theory that's been suggested is that if we used a powerful enough laser, we could tear a hole in the fabric of space-time, inject it full of nanobots to make it bigger, and travel through to the other side and reach other universes. Inside of each of you, there is a mental coordinator or gatekeeper, and it works like our digestive system with your esophageal sphincter. It holds everything in. If too much comes through, it's like a psychic acid reflux and can be very uncomfortable changing your personality and ego, which in that case, meditation might be your only remedy like an antacid. We're all hardwired to perceive so much more, including profoundly amazing psychic abilities like remote viewing and mediumship, which many of you might already have a genetic disposition towards or experienced before. We all have the means to develop these things for ourselves. I was once told by a master teacher a technique for unlocking the gatekeeper. He said, all you have to do is find a place of peace and quietude where you won't be disturbed and stare at a spot on the wall for just three seconds without anything coming into your mind as a distraction. And while it might sound easy, it's actually very difficult to achieve this. If done correctly, you will unlock another perception of your being. When we talk about quantum spirituality, we're really talking about the illusion that reality is linear. Time is like a river. You can never step in the same spot twice because it's constantly moving forward. Truth be told, reality is nonlinear as your past, present, and future lives are all happening right now in simultaneity And in theory, if you wanted to go back and live in the time of, let's say, Cleopatra VII, you could theoretically incarnate back then and interact with them if all the players were game. The universe is constantly growing, evolving, and expanding, breaking off into infinite amounts of different timelines and realities in every direction. Remember, reality is what you make of it. I'm Johnny Enoch, and thanks for watching Mystery Teachings. Okay, that ought to keep us. Okay, you know who's on the air right now, Rainbird. Angels, fairies, feathers, rainbows, crystals, and you. And the emerald serpent feather. Pass the feather, spillered one. Pass the time. Right. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, yeah, I'll take hobbits. It I can't it. forget yeah. the hobbits. They won't let me. Here we come. No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I got it. It was a nice ride. Thank you. <laughs> Since I was on the stick, too, it was pretty fun. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was a good evening, and God, I love music. Yes. So much gratitude for the music. Me too is all I said. Sorry, readers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I know. You're yeah, I'm jealous of you people that have that voice and can just sing it and have that instrument right there with you. Um I always have to stick something in my mouth and do that. <laughs> that clarinet. But yeah. but you brought Let's, the clarinet back for me again. Oh yes. Let's get yeah. this pandemic out of here. Hurry up. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was that was sweet. It was very both last night and tonight was just a real treat with the music. So lots of gratitude yes. gratitude for using those airwaves like that. <laughs> yes, we're gonna do some more next week too. Yes we have to Oh yeah. It's in in the in the music this time of year is just always rich and and, and it's really yeah, really grateful to immerse myself in that. So lots of gratitude for that opportunity. And everything else was good too. The conversation was good and, and then all the, everything that you played and so thank you for this evening and happy anniversary. Yes, it's here. 12, <laughs> 29 years, 29 years. 29 years. Oh, that's a good number. Until 11. Yes. 11, mastery. All right, Rama. What do you say? Mastery for a whole year. Ditto. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. I passed that talking stick if you've got anything more, but, you know, we're good. Yeah, we're just going to play a good night song because it's time. We're, yes. Time to go. Thank you, Rainbird. Thank you. Rama, what you got for us? Uh, you'll recognize this. All right. Om Shiva Shakti. Namaste. Sat Nam. Sat Nam Ki. We'll see you tomorrow, hopefully. Come and join us to keep the spirit alive of love and peace and freedom. Uh, and join us with Cheryl at 425-436-6260. And the pin code 946-7441-POUND. And this is tonight on our 29th wedding anniversary. It's about 10 minutes of 7 Mountain Time, 10 of 9 Eastern. And then again on Monday for the same time. Much aloha and let there be music. We gotta play that one, um, what's his name? The young one. The young boy is playing his music. Uh, uh, August Rush. August Rush, we gotta play that. Mm. Yeah. Alright, aloha everyone. See you in your dreams and on that bridge. So, 13 thank yous. Honey heart, honey in the heart, no evil. And live long and prosper. Aloha.